a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. What's going on guys? My name is Elden Nero and welcome to our overdue spoiler review of The Last Jedi. This is something that a lot of people have been requesting, it's something that I really wanted to get to sooner, uh, but I felt like I had to see the movie one more time because just a lot goes on in this movie. It is a very, very different type of Star Wars movie than what we're used to, I feel, and I think that sentiment will certainly be echoed throughout the discussion. I am joined today by Santiago from the Weird With You podcast. He is pretty much a regular, especially when it comes to Star Wars related content. Uh, we recently recorded an episode uh, basically talking about what we'd like to see in the future of the Star Wars franchise under Disney uh, and the Star Wars video game and stuff like that. So it was it was really interesting, like a lot of people uh, clearly enjoyed it. and. And this is going to be an annual thing where myself and Santiago review Star Wars because uh, we're both huge, huge fans and we both have uh, so much sentimentality attached to it from such a young age. Um, I want to give a shout out to Luce Moore who wanted to be here but is actually like really ill. So um, Luce Moore, if you're listening, I hope you feel better and I hope that you stop eating minstrels from a bowl with milk in it because that has always weirded me out and it's just a weird thing that someone would do. So uh, yeah, anyway, what follows is a discussion with myself and Santiago. Um, I personally loved The Last Jedi, and that will be obvious as I uh, as the episode goes on. Santiago did not love it, and that will also be obvious. So it's actually really interesting. There's two people who disagree um, on their overall feelings of the movie, and uh, we come together to discuss why that is. Santiago makes some excellent points that, in my opinion, were largely irrefutable, and um, that's problematic, but it also doesn't get in the way of the magic of Star Wars for me, so we'll see um, where it goes from there, but I'd be really interested to know what you guys thought of the movie. Like, before you even uh, play on any further, if you want to leave a comment and tell me what you thought of it, that would be really interesting, because this is one of the most divisive Star Wars movies of all time. In fact, this is the most divisive Star Wars movie of all time, because there is a general consensus on at least two of the prequels, and there's um, a general consensus on Revenge of the Sith that it's it's all right. Uh, this movie, there isn't really a general consensus. There's a critics' consensus, which is that it's very good. It takes risks. It it, it subverts expectations. It goes where no Star Wars movie has gone before it. Um, the audience score, however is pretty much 50%. 50% of people liked it, 50% of people didn't. Uh, and there are a myriad of reasons as to why people didn't like it. A lot of them stupid, a lot of them political, a lot of them nonsensical, a lot of them just irrelevant to the overall context of it being a movie, right? Like, there's a lot of people choosing um, to make Star Wars their gender battleground, and... It's, it's frustrating to see that seeping into a franchise that I hold so dearly and when it's something that just I don't really think matters um, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, what I care about the most is the movie itself. And I just want to know what you guys thought because there are obviously a lot of Star Wars fans subscribed to me. And um, 
I'd like to know if there's a general consensus amongst Midnight Hour listeners, I suppose. So um, other than that, check out Santiago's podcast, Weird With You. You all know it by now. He is pretty much a regular um, when it comes to like reviews and things like that. But I've also had him on the podcast plenty of times. And uh, himself and Justine just make an awesome podcast, which I listen to every episode of. And I think you guys should too. So the links for that will be in the description to both their iTunes and their SoundCloud, uh, as well as their Twitter page and Santiago's, um, his own Twitter page, which is Comic Sans, which I think is just a really funny Twitter handle to have. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Enjoy the episode. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see you guys on the flip side, I guess. And uh, other than that, all the other relevant links are in the description, the Reddit, everything like that. I've got a wrestling podcast, in case anyone didn't know. I will link that in the description too, um, to the iTunes feed. It would really help me out if you gave me a rating on there. Um, but I'll talk to you about that in due course because this is Star Wars time. Anyway, on to the Star Wars episode. May the Force be with you. I'm joined today by Santiago for the Last Jedi review. So, Santiago, welcome back to the Midnight Hour. Hello! And I have returned. Yes, you have returned from... Where did Luke return from? Anyway, never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> what were your overall impressions of this movie um, compared to your expectations for this movie? Obviously, the bar was set pretty high from The Force Awakens because it was safe and we all enjoyed it and it was mm-hmm. fine. And uh, there's a different director in this movie. We thought that it was going to go in a different direction and that it would be a little bit more free and loose and uh, more original. And, and Yeah, so... Um, so what did you what what was your overall impression? So one of the lines that I love from the reviews from this movie, from the critics' reviews of these movies, I, I love this line that uh, it subverted all expectations. Yes. And you know what, L? I have to agree one hundred percent because I expected this movie to be good. Oh, damn! That's such a sick burn. I mean, like honestly, um, if if you are about to turn this off because you don't want to hear somebody bashing The Last Jedi, please hold on. Yeah, because I loved I, it. <laughs> I, yeah, first of all, because I loved it. Um, and we're going to have a nice, intelligent conversation about this. Yeah. Um, B is, I, I would hope that people from either listening to my show um, or from listening to the times that, at the bare minimum that I've been on the Midnight Hour uh, will know that I'm not a giant, bigoted asshole. Um, yeah. And I, I have a lot of issues with the way that people are bashing on this movie and hating on this movie because I think people are attacking it for the wrong reasons. I think that this uh, movie does a lot of things wrong in terms of just film, like how you make a film. Um, there, I have a lot of issues with certain characters and the way they were introduced, not that they were introduced, but how little they had to do or... Or, or anything like that, and I have serious, serious issues with the quality of writing in this film, both like of the overall story and of the dialogue in the film. So I want to talk about that stuff a bit w- with my side of it. Uh, I was very disappointed. I walked out upset because uh, right before going into the movie theater, I told my brother, you know, like there just no matter how good or bad it is, there's no way that it can be prequel bad. And I walked out kind of feeling like it was 
for me, because I, I don't like the prequels. I've said before, if you like the prequels, that you're totally entitled to to love the prequels and enjoy. If that was your Star Wars childhood, then all the power to you. I never want to take that away from anyone because Star Wars is special and it's special for different people for different reasons. Uh, um, but like I didn't like the prequels and I thought there were shades of that uh, in this, which is now that I'm thinking about it kind of expected because Ryan Johnson's a massive defender of the prequels um, and some of the stuff that they did. So like, there's there's things like that. But I was talking to Elle before the show and it basically came down to that. There's a, there's a point that I want to make in my argument um, and that is that I kind of have two ways of looking at this film. Uh, one of them is the problems that I have, is it, have of it. Have with it? Have with it. Yeah, the problems that I have with it, <laughs> the haves and the have-nots, yeah. have with it uh, as a film as as a movie as as the way that it's constructed and the way that it moves forward and the things that it does with some of its characters um and then the other side of it is my disappointment in certain things as a Star Wars fan and i feel like those disappointments as a Star Wars fan have to be by necessity separate from my criticism of the movie as a film um yes. yeah i i sense. will blend some of those two things together when I when I'm making some of my points, um, but know that I I keep them very separate in my mind. I don't think it's a bad movie because of what it does to Luke Skywalker or because of uh, a myriad of other reasons that people are complaining. Although those things do bother me. Uh, what I want to talk like as we get towards the end of this whole thing, and I've made some of my points a bit more concisely and clearly, uh, is that. I feel like there is a point of negotiation between my dislike for the movie as a film and my dislike for the movie as a Star Wars fan where I have to pose the question, what would it have taken for me to like this film in spite of all the problems that I have with it as a Star Wars fan? Uh, and I think that is where we get into the real problems with the film um, as a movie. Um but the other the other way of saying that and the other side of that is that, you know, like if you are like L and you enjoyed the movie and you thought it was great, then like I don't I don't want to take that away from you. That that's like you everyone is entitled to their to their own views on on everything, really. But especially about films and 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 any sort of media that we're that we're taking in. So um, don't take my points personally. Don't take my uh, my anger <laughs> personally it's not uh it's not directed at your love for the movie at all and i'm speaking to the audience l knows this yeah um i'm already offended so it's fine. <laughs> welcome to 2018 <laughs> um yeah i i yeah they're 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 kind of separate things and we'll and we'll talk about the the balance and something else um i guess throughout the the, the discussion yeah. um I, I want i'm interested in hearing some of your thoughts on the movie because as we were talking now just before we hit the record button i mentioned that you, you went and you saw the movie um and when i asked you about doing the review you said i want to watch it one more time before we do the review yeah so i'm interested in hearing your kind of process of coming to this decision that you like this movie yeah it was really strange um because i watched it and it's kind of like it's it's a hell of a movie to watch in the sense that it, it's a very busy plot and there's so much going on everywhere all the time like there's very little sort of lull in the middle of the action 
Um, there's just always something to be thinking about while it's happening. Um, and I spent a lot of the movie just with my eyes the size of saucers, like, oh my god, I'm watching this. And uh, I came out of the cinema and I was like, is that the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen? Or did I not actually enjoy one single moment of it? Um, and I've never actually had that feeling mm. before coming out of a theater. Like, I saw The Phantom Menace nine times in the cinema. I knew that I loved that movie at the time. Um, I was eight years old, so, you know, leave me alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're forgiven. Yeah, so... Um, I liked it the first time I saw it, too. Yeah, everybody did. Like, they, they interviewed pretty much every person that came out of this one um, cinema in in America and everyone said it was amazing apart from one guy who said it wasn't and we know that that's not the general consensus now so um obviously that Bill yeah yeah well there's obviously yeah. some kind of uh, a subliminal thing going on there that makes you think you enjoyed it after you watch it for the first time or I don't know um but uh, there was one thing uh, there were a few things that I thought of um, after I had first seen it, and and the first thing I, I think still holds up, it's still true. Um, it's probably the best looking Star Wars movie that there has ever been, and I think it's really unfortunate that it came out in the same year as Blade Runner twenty forty nine, because mm -hmm. I think this movie would possibly get an Oscar for its visuals. Um, there are so many just shots in this movie and scenes where you could just freeze frame it take the picture out of the screen and hang it on a canvas on your wall and it would look sensational um the, the i mean like the one that jumps out straight away is the the red salt effect um on that planet at the end with the um those horrible land cruisers the real yeah, that, budget, that was awesome the budget pound shop land cruisers um like hurtling towards their death uh, and and the aerial shot of that with the red salt being kicked up behind every single move that was so cool and even when uh, Finn and Rose had invaded the Star Destroyer um, there's a scene after the explosion where uh, Captain Phasma and her troops are walking through this blown open blast doors and they appear through a cloud of orange smoke and it's such a damn cool scene like it's really ominous and dark and uh it's it's just um a, a really good presentation for the scene that's about to follow um but there were lots of things like that there were lots of really good scenes that you could just cut out and they look amazing like it, it like i say it's just if blade runner 2049 hadn't come out this year well in this cycle um we would be looking at star wars and thinking that there's a possible like visual effect um oscar or nomination in there i think because uh, it's just fantastic looking so um that stands to it as a movie i think and it's not something that i ever really look for in star wars movies but this one was just noticeably striking um at every moment um other than that uh, i even though this one scene i'm about to talk well this one arc within the movie that i'm about to mention was pretty much hated by everybody it seems it was cool seeing the upper echelon society in star wars and seeing something other than poverty um mm. e even though this society existed on the backs of the poor uh, it was cool seeing a casino in star wars like i actually quite enjoyed it we know that it's the one way that they can showcase wealth in star wars because we know that there is gambling in that universe and we also know that there's weapons and therefore 
they combine these two things that we already know are there and like it was it perfect no was it necessary not really but was it interesting like yeah i think it was i think it was a cool thing to see that um apart from that i i, I enjoyed the um the fallout from the opening scene with the the first order kind of um immobilizing everyone and actually like destroying things because i think it was about time that we witnessed the might and power of this organization especially after that horrendous opening scene with that like i i, I think donald gleason is a really good actor but general hooks is just a terrible character and... it's, it's like jj abrams wanted to go one way with him yeah. and it feels like ryan johnson was just like i hate this character yeah i hate him i hate him so i'm gonna turn him into a clown yeah uh but... that i i actually a lot of people love that opening scene uh, i that was the moment the movie started you know you've got the the star wars theme comes up the opening crawl interestingly actually even before we get to that scene the opening crawl i'm like is this a little bit shorter than other opening crawls have been? And like, not that the opening crawls were ever wordy or anything like that. It mm -hmm. just felt like very simplistic, I guess, because it starts immediately after uh, the events of force awakens. There's not much to say. That's it true. kind of just caught you up on what happened in force awakens. Whereas with uh, the difference between a new hope and empire and empire and return of the Jedi, there's years that have gone in between supposedly. Right. I think that uh, you could actually, you could tweak the last Jedi opening crawl a tiny, tiny bit and you could play it at the front of the empire strikes back and people would be like, yes, that's like the, the, the crawl in the last jedi literally describes the plot of the empire strikes back did you notice that it's like a carbon yeah. copy and the movie doesn't borrow too heavily from it but the whole premise of their setting is is identical which which the, I found the movie actually worrying. has more in common with return of the jedi than it does with yeah that's uh, true. empire strikes back which is we're getting ahead of ourselves but that's kind of an issue yeah um and what that implies for what's going to happen in the next film mm -hmm. so um but yeah that that first scene and i see poe and i'm like yeah i love poe poe's cool um because i liked that banter that he had in the first movie because uh, there wasn't a lot of it mm. and uh there it felt like in this one scene at the beginning there was already too much of it and i'm like they wasted all of his dialogue his bantery dialogue in the in the in the first scene it's like it's like they took that han solo uh, uh no everyone's fine here thanks everything's fine we're okay how are you? Yeah. You know, like, and they extended it for way longer than it was necessary. They made it too close to the bone, right? Like, there are things that need to remain a mystery in Star Wars, and just the idea that you would say, I was holding for this per the The fact that there's a hold function. Yep. Uh, like that annoys that goes, me. Oh, it reminded. I was watching the movie and I thought this is the shit that Elle was talking about in our Star Wars episode yes. when Han Solo says, "Well, then I'll see you in hell." Exactly. And yeah. It's, it's exactly the same shit. It's like, what do you mean they have they have hold? Yeah, like, exactly. I'm not comfortable the, knowing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Having said that, Poe Dameron, right, is is a a cool character on the face of things. I look at him, I'm like, he's cool. Oscar Isaac is absolutely awesome. This guy's a really good pilot. He goes on a kill streak in The Force Awakens. It's um, awesome. Yeah, it's one of the coolest fucking things ever. But 
I don't think he's had a moment of good dialogue in the entire saga. Like, he says, we got company, like, five times in the first movie. Yep. And in this movie, he's like, oh, I was holding for hooks. And he's, like, he's like being a massive jackass all over the place. Like, And then, like, another thing is Laura Dern's character, um, Vice Admiral Amelyn Holdo, um, like, she's, like, a massive bitch about her like you know it's like poe is like a hothead and and it's known that he's a hothead and she doesn't do anything like she actually shows terrible man management ability uh in in her attempts to tame him because she actually just makes the situation so much worse she's completely inept oh my god it's uh, and there's there's another thing that annoyed me about her i guess we can just jump around things that we didn't like here but um when when they're evacuating the ship and actually here's a problem i have with the movie um mm-hmm. they're evacuating the ship and uh Amelyn is like i'm gonna stay behind and everyone is like all right cool uh enjoy your death um like if c-3po were to do it like i wouldn't give a shit <laughs> like can do they really not have a droid that they can program to die with the ship like they lose I have, so many I have, important people this way i have so many thoughts about that scene it's ridiculous it's it's a very ridiculous scene yeah because i mean i guess we're gonna jump around so it's this is gonna be kind of out of order for my argument but yeah but it'll be thematically uh, in sequence because we're gonna it'll be yeah exactly it'll be thematically in sequence to what we're talking about um so she turns this ship around and suicides it through through hyperspace uh through the uh i guess it's not the dreadnought it's the um the star star destroyer yeah no but it's uh it's the it's the big one um the super star destroyer it's not the dreadnought the, the dreadnought is the thing that they take out at the beginning yeah that's right this is this is like the uh i forget what the the class is called the even bigger ship. It's like the the fucking Star Killer base of of this movie. Yeah. It's like we took something from the first movie and made it even bigger. <laughs> uh, and slightly different. It's a slightly different triangle. <laughs> it's. I think anyway. it is called a Super Star Destroyer. Have I made that up? Is that is a thing in Star Wars? No, isn't it? It, yes, but this one isn't uh, a it's Super. Not, this is uh, some, it's not one of those. Something else, I think. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so. She goes through hyperspace, through this ship, and, like, splits it in half. Beautiful moment, it, though. One of at. the most beautiful scenes in Star Wars history. Yeah. And I remember, like, looking at it, because I already, at this point, was having some serious issues with the film. And uh, and I suddenly the scene happens, and I, I remember, like, me and my brother, we both went, whoa. <laughs> like, that, that was cool. Yeah. That was that was so cool. And that lasted about like five seconds. And then I thought, wait a minute, why haven't they been doing this since the freaking start? Um, never mind. Never mind the start of this chase. Why haven't any of the sides been weaponizing ships with hyperdrives since the beginning? If this is something that you can do, if you if you can fly a ship through hyperspace through an imperial ship and blow it up i mean like why why even bother with it couldn't you do that with the with the death star like it doesn't 
if you've been able to do this the whole time, then why isn't that like an actual tactic to, to, to suicide ships, like large ships? Like take take one that's broken. It doesn't even have to be fully functional. It just needs to have a hyperdrive in it and have enough mass to cause damage. Yeah. It actually probably doesn't even need to be big if you're if you're targeting it properly. You could probably send it right through the reactor of the Death Star. I I, I guess I could have one answer to that would be probably the answer to my question of why didn't they just have a droid die with the ship is probably that for some bizarre reason in this universe they program droids to have emotions for no discernible reason um and and therefore an an emotional creature is not likely to want to do that but also there is no suicide in the star wars universe like they don't like no one has ever committed suicide in the Star Wars universe, and I know that this is slightly different. They accept that Admiral Hall, though. Yeah. Well. And and Rogue One. That's the Rogue One thing is different though because they went in with the with the idea of getting out. But they knew that it was essentially a suicide mission. But they but it was built on hope. So, okay, yeah, it was, um, but they they accomplished the mission. They they were. I, I get what your point is about Rogue One, but I, I guess my thing is like, it it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't have done this from the very beginning. Well, I think I, I if you if you think about the concept of the, like the philosophical concept of suicide and apply it to the Star Wars universe, there's nowhere for it to go. You can't plant it. I, down do, I know, I know. Okay, so, so, so we're, let, we're, getting, we're getting away from, from the, and I guess, like, the issue here, but, like... Well, well let's just imagine we're, we're getting we're, kind, we're getting kind of silly, but, like, this, this is the idea. You're saying, like, it can't be a droid because the droids all have emotions and stuff, and it would be, like, the same as, as somebody yeah. committing suicide. Um, but if this is a valid strategy, then why, like, there's no autopilot, there's no droid that they can make that doesn't have feelings there's no just machine that can make sure that the the computers on the on board of the ship aren't sophisticated enough to she didn't actually when you look at her she didn't actually do anything except for engage the hyperdrive i know that's the only thing she did but it's a lever it needs a human to push it <laughs> it's I, I, I like i i appreciate you trying to argue this from the other side, but like this is kind of a like a like a the fact that you can even sit there and question it, the fact that it takes away from that moment, whether or not you can rationalize it within the canon, is problematic. Because I, I, I think I can it rationalize it in the canon, and, and like... that's and that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying the fact that you watch this and you're like that was awesome, but why haven't they? Like even if you're wrong, that moment of why haven't they been doing this from the beginning? Like that's no good. This is one of the visually this, and this is my problem with it is that it was so cool that it pisses me off that it doesn't make sense that they didn't do this from the beginning. Never mind. Like I guess like even in the let's take it to just this movie. What was their like? They literally their plan involved at the very end. How how would their plan have played out any differently if none of the other movie? If none of the other movie had happened, right? If Finn hadn't, if they hadn't, if if Haldo hadn't been a dick to uh, Poe, right, and and they had flown off, uh, they hadn't flown off, right, and they had kept to Leia's plan and Haldo's plan that apparently they had at the same time. Um, how 
would this have ended any differently? Like the, everybody, I guess everybody would have gone off the ship and the ship would have continued forward and they wouldn't have seen the, the, the transports going down to crate. Yeah. Which apparently there's cloaked ships now in, in, in Star Wars. Um, like, I, I don't understand why they couldn't see those ships before, but that's fine. And until, uh, DJ told them about it. Like it, so so what? So like that ship is capable of going forward. So like, what are they putting a brick on the physical accelerator of this ship? How is this ship able to go? Like you're able to program it to continue forward by itself. Like unless Haldo was planning on staying aboard that ship until it got destroyed, or Leia was planning to, or somebody was planning to, then that ship has the ability to be programmed to continue moving forward. Yeah, that's true. So why don't they have the ability to to like it it's Here's here's one of my issues with this movie. We should never have even gotten to this point in the film. The plot of this film does not make sense. It's completely stupid. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, it 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 is. It is. It's completely ridiculous. Um the beginning of the movie, Poe's thing, I'm like, oh, oh, that that joke didn't quite land. Like there was, it was kind of a chuckle, but like, okay, whatever. It was bullshit. Uh, Nobody in the cinema that I was in <laughs> laughed. Nobody. Not a, not a single yeah. person even. In fact, it was mostly just audible groans. Uh, Bill Burr has this thing where he says that Irish audiences are relentless and they are the most difficult people to perform in front of because there are some things that they just will not let up for and i think this is one of those things where it was just like it was really bad come the fuck on like just stop with that so yeah that was a rough (laughs) rough start it it wasn't good anyway uh here's another thing we're gonna do is i'm going to bitch at people complaining about stupid things oh yes i'm all for Uh, that yeah the bombs people being like hashtag there's no gravity in space um I don't like the argument of like, well, there's no sound in space, but in Star Wars there's sound, so the rules in space and Star Wars are different. Like, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. Um, there was a companion book that came out with the with uh, the Last Jedi that clearly states that these uh, bombs are magnetic. They're ah. powered by magnets. Easily explained in the canon. Doesn't necessarily have to be explained on screen. I think it's just a silly thing. Like, I came up with that as a potential answer as I watched it. I was like, how are they falling? Oh, they're probably magnetic. Would have been cool, in fairness, if they were just called magnosphere bombs or, you know, like... I think they are. Okay. (laughs) I think the name of the bombs themselves are actually... There's a little thing next to it that explains that they have, like, a magnetic thing on it, but I think the bombs themselves are called something to do with magnets. Yeah. I might be wrong about that point. But anyway, I, I think it's a silly point to bit, to complain about this movie on that. Like, how did the bombs fall? I think that's dumb. Yeah, it's Star Wars. They're wizards in space with laser swords. Yeah. Like, shut up. Yeah. But here's where we get to my, uh, to my point, is that it's a Star Wars movie. There's wizards in space. There's laser swords. There's all sorts of crazy shit. There's aliens and, and all weird shit. There's just... It's a Star Wars, you know? There is a certain suspension of disbelief that you are internally prepared 
to go into this movie with. You walk into this movie and you know there's going to be space wizards, there's going to be weird ass aliens, there's going to be like stuff that there's no way can happen is going to happen in this movie. There are people with telekinetic powers, maybe because there's microbes living in them called midichlorians, but that seems to have been thrown out the window now in favor of a more spiritual approach like the original movies, but whatever. Um, you know, like th- there's there's stuff going on that cannot happen in our world. It's not possible. So you already go in with the willing suspension of disbelief to a point. Fair. When that willing suspension of disbelief is tested by something so stupid that it should not made it it shouldn't have made it out of the writing room. It breaks the movie. Because you're already like if, if willing of if like your normal every day like for for a drama that supposedly takes place in our world your willing suspension of disbelief is you know down here you know belly button level you can't see me but I'm, <laughs> and then for a Star Wars movie it's like way over your head right but you're willing it's a willing suspension of disbelief right it's yeah, up there it's way up there right anything that goes over that like anything that would cause you to to be like wait that doesn't make sense that goes over that is problematic because you're already way up there so your your stuff it doesn't have to be necessarily airtight right like the like the bombs or whatever there there can be like an in-canon explanation that makes you go like oh yeah well that makes sense they're magnetic fine um my issue is this mad max fury road wannabe plot in space or lack thereof plot. Mm-hmm. How does it make sense? <clears throat> it doesn't make any sense, L. There's they're something not, about they're not car, they're cars. They're not cars. They're not trucks even. They're not boats. They're not limited to uh to a the kind of which axis they, they move in or in which direction they go. Which way is right side up? Which way is right side down? You're not limited in any way like that, right? Um, moreover, they have hyperdrives. Okay, so the rebel flagship escapes. They engage their hyperdrive. They escape. Huck says we have them on a thread. You don't really know what that means. It's actually really vague and and problematic from a writing perspective that your audience has no idea what the hell you're talking about. Even though Snoke is like, oh, I see what you mean. I see what you did there. And whereas an audience, we're like, no, I, I mean, I don't see what. What does he mean he has them on a thread? That doesn't make any sense. Not revealed until upsettingly later in the film that they are being tracked through hyperspace. Like, it, I don't know why that wouldn't have been revealed there. But anyway, I digress. They track them through hyperspace and they come out right behind them. We're back at square one. Okay, that's a problem. Your your film now has a has a problem, okay? Uh, in, in a good way. There's an issue here. How did the rebels escape from this ship that can track them through hyperspace? Ryan Johnson's answer is it can't. Okay, so what's their plan? Because surely the, the, these these massive like this capital ship and these dreadnoughts and and everything that are that are like these other star destroyers that are following it, right? 
Of which there are only like four or five, by the way. Can I just ask, is Dreadnought referenced any other time in any other Star Wars movie? No, I think Dreadnoughts are... I I might be wrong about that. I think Dreadnoughts are new. Yeah, because they made such a big deal out of it. And I was like, what the fuck is they this? Took a, I've never they took heard of this down before. Right a bunch of bombs, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, they lost a bunch of people, but that was actually Poe's fault, not the bomber's fault, so... Yeah. Anyway. There's only, there's only like, four, maybe maybe five ships following them. The Rebels. Is that... Would you say that's fair? Four or five Star Destroyers following them, including the, the big the big guy? Yeah, yeah. Snoke ship? I, but, but I'd say that they're all... Like, I'd say just one of those smaller Star Destroyers following them is enough to obliterate their fleet. Like, I didn't really get any sense that they had anything going on in, on their ships or anything like that. Right. So, the Rebel... Interesting idea. The Rebel ship is smaller and faster. So, it can actually stay at enough distance that the Imperial heavy weapons... Or Imperial... First Order heavy weapons uh, can't actually penetrate or damage the shields in any significant way. That's kind of cool. I'm totally down with that. Yeah, I like that. I th- that's fine. Okay, so the idea is like, okay, we're going to keep them at a distance. Then Kylo Ren comes out with, with himself and two other TIE fighters. And they blow up they make it through all of the rebel ships that are fleeing. Because remember, they're running out of fuel, not lasers. Yeah. They make no. all the rebel ships because Kylo Ren is so amazing. Kylo Ren is so amazing. He makes it through all of these ships. And he blows up the bridge of the lead rebel, ve- the, the lead rebel vessel, the uh, resistance vessel, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay? He blows up. He doesn't blow up the bridge. He takes his thumb away from the yeah, ignition. Yeah, he, he, he relinquishes. There, that's an important point. He didn't do it. His buddies, his wingmen, they did it. Wing women. We don't even... They might be aliens. We don't know. Might be a species that doesn't have gender. We know that's they're fun. not droids anyway. <laughs> they probably couldn't. But like, can, can a droid kill? Yeah, they can. But um, So, <laughs> interesting. Droids have no problem taking others' lives, but they can't. Yeah, take their own life in your logic. Well, no, I, I, and, and battle I, droids were me. <laughs> and prove me wrong. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I can't. I can't. You have good points. Solid points. Uh, the best points. <laughs> so they're they're they have to keep them at bay. They have to they have to stay far enough ahead as they're running out of fuel. Kylo Ren comes in with his Tie Fighters, blows up the 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 bridge. And then they fly away. How many TIE fighters do you think are on each of those uh, Imperial ships? Uh, I guess judging from the hangar of the ship in The Force Awakens, uh, like 10 on each one. (laughs) Like, there's got to be a shitload of TIE fighters. Yeah. Even considering, like, think about, like, the very first scene, right? That 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 fight when they go to blow up the Dreadnought. Yeah, when they how, all fly like, out. like there's How like many a, TIE fighters are coming out of that thing? Like 150 or something. Minimum. Minimum. Okay? So let's, let's be really generous to Ryan Johnson and say that there's 150 on each ship, and let's say there's, like, 1,000 on the capital ship, just because it's freaking huge. Mm-hmm. 
Because mm. you don't get a good sense of the size, but I forget. They said how uh, big that capital ship is, and I think they said it's like over 30 miles wide. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, like, it's it's That's why I said it was Starkiller Base all over here. Like, it's like, we need to make it even bigger. I didn't <laughs> so, even get a sense that it was that big. No, you don't. Because you can barely see it because it's black. Yeah, that's true. Why yeah, it blends black? in with space. <laughs> anyway. So, let's say that there's, like, a shitload. We'll just call it a conservative shitload of, yeah. of TIE Fighters. <laughs> okay. Three TIE Fighters were able to break in, pass the Rebel defenses as they were fleeing, because the Rebels aren't really firing back at all, and blow up the bridge of the lead ship. Poe is able, in the beginning of the film, to blow out all of the cannons on the top of a dreadnought by himself because once you get in past the shields apparently you can just blow shit up without you know having to go through the shields well, fine that, that makes sense poe is a hell of a pilot too you don't need a hell of a pilot when you have like 1500 tie fighters at your disposal like, they should have been able to just send out the TIE fighter. Like, they've already shown that they don't give a crap about their soldiers or conserving numbers. Yeah, Why would true. they care? Why would they care? The only the only thing I can say about that is maybe uh, General Hooks wanted them to die a really slow and painful, agonizing death. And because he's such a buffoon, he just did not even comprehend the idea that they might come up with a, an alternative plan along the way other than you know, perishing in space. That's that's a whole other issue we're going to get into with Hux and the and the the First Order. But here's the other side of it. Like, they're perturbed that they can't hit the Rebels with their heavy weapons. Mm. Is this the entirety of the First Order fleet? Do you think this is the, the whole fleet? Like, honestly, do, does it make sense that this is the entirety of the First Order fleet pursuing these, like, three... Four vessels? Certainly not, no. It doesn't make sense, but let's pretend that it does. Let's pretend that this is the entire First Order fleet that has the galaxy so terrified. Because remember that these are the people who are now vying for control of the galaxy. Five ships. Well, they have destroyed the Republic, though. So, like, they've, It's they've a base that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, no, exactly. But it, it, if anything, there's a power vacuum and the control is up for grabs. Right, by by five ships. Yeah, I'm not saying that they don't completely outnumber the the resistance. But that, resistance exactly. Like, but and, why would the rest of the galaxy be afraid? Of, but, like, but what is the rest of the galaxy? Right, like the one percent is on that. What's that Crete Lodge or whatever the fuck that <laughs> other planet is called? Um, uh, like I that, forget what. So so those Canto guys, Pike. yeah, can't yeah, that's the one. See, so those guys probably own like most of the resources in the galaxy. You you definitely get a sense that, that like Star Wars is a, a huge collection of unrelated, unconnected, impoverished planets, and yeah. now we know that this other place. So it, like in all likelihood, the only people who can assume power of the galaxy are either the First Order or the Resistance, and the Resistance they're screwed like even their plan relies on reinforcements that we later learn don't even exist so yeah um it, like it, it's it's you know maybe those other the, the other um 
the the other ships comprising their fleet are on the other side of the galaxy maybe they're sprawled all across the galaxy because they only require a certain amount of ships in each quadrants of the galaxy now in order to exercise that control um they definitely have enough ships to get the job done here i mean yeah, like I, I could excuse that and i'm just way. i'm just saying that the empire feels like a threat because they are always present everywhere and this actually feels like they're trying to tell us that this is the entirety of the fleet. Mm. If it isn't the entirety of the fleet, then you have a bigger problem with what I'm about to say. But let's pretend that it is the entirety of the fleet. And they have to chase this ship that is smaller and faster than them. What is a uh, First Order commanding officer to do? How could we possibly stop these ships they're they're faster. They they they're staying out of the range of our guns. Oh, well, I know. We have freaking hyperdrives. They can only move forward. So you know where they're gonna be. <laughs> Do you get where I'm going with this? Yeah, but then you know where their ship is going to be in the next ten minutes, in the next four hours in the next 18 hours in the next day you know exactly where their ship is going to be that's very true yeah so why is a canadian guy in a movie theater in ontario with no military training able to come up with a solution to the problem of a military officer (laughs) who has presumably had a lot of training and is in command of a giant in a fictional universe with things that don't even exist yet. so i have less experience even than that because he at least knows how a hyperdrive works presumably this is this is a bombshell if if you if you assume that even it is their full fleet they can still go like all right we're gonna send one ship this far forward, another one this far forward, and then the, the the rest of us, we just hang around here and follow them, and then we'll be able to guide the other two, because we know that they're not going to stray far. Uh, yeah. So that, yeah, no, that that's and, it. And it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah, that is a massive it's problem. It's yeah. a massive problem. This is a massive problem with this movie, because if you recognize that that's an issue with the plot, and there's going to be a lot of people who are like, ah, uh, what's well, so nitpicky and blah, blah, blah. No, it's bad writing, though. It's. I think it's just bad writing. Yeah, I think is. there's no way that this should have made it out. They're not boats. They're not cars. They're not trucks. They're not Mad Max cars. They have hyperdrives. It doesn't make any sense. It's It's completely stupid. And while the rest of the movie, you might think it's fun or enjoyable or whatever, the rest of the movie shouldn't happen. Because I've already given my suspension of disbelief up to a point and this destroys that point because it's something so simple so stupid it's something so easy to spot and to fix that it only like the only in canon solution is that the empire or if i keep calling them the empire the first order is completely inept and if they're completely inept and this is the entirety of their fleet why is anybody afraid of them? Especially when later in the movie, Snoke dies. Why um, would anybody be afraid of the First Order? If they're so completely freaking clueless, 
That's the only in canon explanation for why they don't do this. Is that they're just that? Di- it's exactly what you said. Hux wants them to die slowly and painfully and miserably. That is the stupidest, stupidest reason in the world. And the problem is that in the original movies and even in the prequels, the rebels or the good guys always got out of trouble because they were more clever than the bad guys, more clever than the Empire. They don't get out of trouble in The Last Jedi. Actually, they don't really get out of trouble at all. But when they do, it's not because they're smarter or because they were more clever or because they did something unexpected. It's because Hux is a dumbass. It's because they're smarter by default. Because the other one is less smart than them, like if anything, you know what I mean? Like it's it, like it, it's because they are actively choosing to not engage with the smart part of their brains. I I I, th- I think Hux is like completely just a, a complete and utter goof, and you do get a sense that the First Order is very youthful sort of organization. Yeah. Um, like I feel so bad for Domhnall Gleeson. Uh, I, I on the one hand, like on the other hand, he's in a Star Wars movie, and like who cares? Yeah, shit? I don't know but, how sorry I feel for him. Like, but he's a good actor. He's a That's great actor. That's why I feel shit for him because it's like, on some level, like until he looks at his bank account every morning when he wakes up, he has to like feel some tinge of regret, and then he looks at his bank account and he's fine again, <laughs> and the fact that he's in Star Wars, like that's comforting. Listen, but, if like, this goes so- any way towards a world where he is in less fucking movies, I'm all for it. Because I, I do really like the guy, but he is in literally every single thing I've watched for the last, like, five years in a row. It's like, yeah, <laughs> there's, like, no movie I can watch where his fucking face doesn't just pop up, and I'm like, ah, Donald Gleeson. Like, <laughs> tokenizing gingers. Yeah, yeah, tokenizing Irish gingers. And, and, like, he's... It, it does annoy me that he has this just really overzealous English accent. Um, it doesn't annoy me because he's Irish, but at the same time, there, there are Scottish people in Star Wars. Um, oh, yeah. It, there are no Irish people in Star Wars. To the Why not let him have his accent? Yeah. For that matter, why does Finn have to lose his accent, really? Because yeah. only bad guys can be English in Star Wars. It's Yeah, it's true. But, but then, like, I don't know. Except I, for Obi-Wan and Rey. Like, that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, Qui-Gon Jinn is Irish, I guess. He has a neutral kind of accent. <laughs> he, he sounds just the same as he sounds in any movie when he's trying to sound like an American. <laughs> yeah. What the hell even is his... Yeah, no, he, he just... I have a very it. specific set of skills. Particular, <laughs> particular set of skills. Yeah. Um, I will find you. And I will show I will you train, ways of... I will course. train you. <laughs> <laughs> You will be a Jedi. I will. Tra- you will be a Jedi. I promise. But yeah, um, just uh, like I guess I was coming to the end of my tether with Donald Gleeson, and then him being in this movie, in this role, in this awful character, it just really set me off. Although I, he is redeemed by his speech in The Force Awakens, that is awesome. That's a that's a great scene right there. But yeah, very. He clearly watched a lot of Hitler. Yeah, so it, was, it was very. And it was well delivered. Like I thought, like oh, okay, like he, he, like I can see them having to hospitalize him after delivering that speech because yeah, like, yeah. his veins were literally popping. <laughs> I, I love the way it's actually a compliment to say he's clearly watched a lot of Hitler. 
don't know why it's just oh, no, hilarious very, to me. Very, very, very Hitler. Very Hitler. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So the, that's kind of like where where a lot of the problems begin is that the rest of the movie shouldn't really happen. Yeah. Okay. You've you've completely blown the blast doors open on the plot there. It's it's weird though that I never even thought of that. Like, I think it's weird that no one else has thought of that. Yeah, anymore. I haven't seen that criticism anywhere. I, I guess, like, we're calling it bad writing. It is bad writing, but only once you kind of dig a little bit. Like, you know, in in there are these kinds of plot devices used a lot. Um, like, I, I know one famous one is in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, they're robbing the stock exchange, which famously closes very early in, in the afternoon, like 5 p.m. or something. Um Whatever, so they're robbing the stock exchange in broad daylight, and then they drive into a tunnel, and then when they come out, all of a sudden it's pitch black outside, so that Batman can appear, because he can't appear in daylight, because Batman's... So, you don't ever think about that, because Chris Nolan actually... There are lots of plot holes in Chris Nolan... Well, it's not really a plot hole, I guess, but there are lots of things like that in Nolan movies, but he's Mm. so... Like, that's actually his main skill as a director is that he's able to paper over those cracks in ways that you wouldn't even imagine. And I, I guess that they must do that in some way in this movie. And what's weird is the whole way through, I was thinking this is a, an entirely ridiculous premise, but there must be some precedent for it. And I was thinking about the the Falcon in The Empire Strikes Back when they're trying to um, go into hyperspace, but the hyperdrive is being chewed by the... Uh, what are those? Those stupid bat things... Um, Minox. Yeah. So, so it won't go into hyperspace, but they're still just outside of the sort of they're being hit, but it's not heavy fire. Um, like I could map that version of like that chase onto this. This is obviously a more prolonged version, but yeah. Yeah, except for that, they're clever, and their solution is to go into an asteroid field, which no, is suicide. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, that, that is a, a much better conclusion. But I'm, I'm just talking about how in the middle of it, like that's a thing that happens. So therefore, I yeah. thought of that, and I thought, oh well, you, this is a thing that can happen. You know what I you mean? You can say like, oh, how convenient that there was an asteroid field there. Like, yeah, like that's Star Wars. Is is that also? Mm. But that's better writing than like, w- why would another ship? just pop up don't worry about it no one's gonna notice it this is how little they think of their of their audience though this is the problem that i have that like okay fair you didn't notice that's fine that doesn't mean that you're that you're like bad at watching movies or anything like that nobody's saying that what i'm saying is that once you do notice you realize how little they think of you that they thought you wouldn't notice but I didn't notice. <laughs> so And they think very little of you. I'm like, yeah, you thought the right amount of me. <laughs> <laughs> but that but now you know and it's like isn't it kind of feel shitty to be like that's how little they think of their audience? Like the lowest common denominator is so low that they don't even feel like they have to paper over that giant crack. I'm choosing that's, to That's like being shown a potential home to buy a potential apartment to to rent and there's a there's a wall missing and it's just like outside and they're just conveniently steering you away to not look at that wall and they're like why is there a chill on my back and it's like oh it's a feature there's yeah. there's just a chill on this side of the room don't worry about it like it, it's it's such a it's such a huge problem with the plot that like i because if you Let's say they solve that issue. Another Star Destroyer appears, right? Mm-hmm. And they have no way out. It's a no-win scenario. Like, there's no way that they can escape. What does that force? It forces the Rebels to either be... The Rebels, the Resistance, to either be clever, more clever than 
the uh, than the first order. Or if you want to keep with the themes of uh, failure and redemption that exists throughout this movie, which is one of the more interesting parts of this movie, is that idea of failure and redemption. Failure and redemption, right? Um, that's one of the main thrusts of this movie. Some people are confusing that with plot because a lot of people are saying like there was no plot to this movie, and I see a lot of people saying in the on the Twitter. Um, like, oh, the plot of this movie was all about failure and redemption. Like, don't you get it? And it's like, failure and redemption aren't plot. They that, are that, themes. Those are themes, yeah. Those are themes. Those are not plot. Plot is like a series of events that leads to different actions that have consequences. And throughout those, you weave themes. But the, they're not... Anyway. The point is, um, it, it's... Let, let, the, what's the other option? Is they fail. And uh, they are going to get blown up. What happens there? Now, here's the thing. They're going to get blown up. Um, the How does the hyperspace tracking work? We don't know. Okay, they just they, they are able to, to pick one ship um, and, and track it, presumably. so they're, they're tracking the lead rebel ship, or are they tracking all of the rebel ships? Presumably if they're just the lead one. if they're just tracking the lead rebel <laughs> ship, then they all could have gone on one of the other ships and just buggered off. Yeah. Right. So they they're probably tracking all of the ships. But if they're tracking all of the ships, then why did they not realize when the shuttles launched to go down to crate? Because those shuttles are hidden. So. There must be some way for them to escape that situation. So let's say all the Star Destroyers, the the ship is out of range, all the Star Destroyers, hyperspace around them, boom, 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 looks really awesome. There's just like a ring of Star Destroyers all around the Rebel fleet. They have nowhere to go. They're completely trapped. Lost all hope. Except for somebody has a plan. Right? Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy arrive. <laughs> Don't even joke. We are so freaking close to that, actually. <laughs> it upsets me so much at the end of this movie that that's a potential, even in a dream. <laughs> um, but anyway, like, have them have failure. They fail. The majority of them get blown up. Only a few are able to escape. Who, who are the ones who are able to escape? Maybe it's not even a thing about, like, they chose for certain. Maybe they all tried to escape and only one of them did. Right? That's that's fine. Like maybe maybe it is like a like a the end of Hoth situation where like only a few ships get away from from uh, from Hoth at the very end, right? Yeah. Maybe it's like solo fighters and things like that. We know that the solo fighters have uh, have hyperdrives. Now they, the the hangar was blown up by Kylo, and so that's a problem. But uh, there's there was other opportunities here to take the story somewhere interesting and keep with the themes of failure and redemption. Like I'm not a writer, so, like for for movies anyway. Um, so like I can't sit here and pretend that I could have done a better job. I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna do that because like I I can't. Otherwise I would have been doing it. I would have written the Last Jedi. Yeah, not, it's not it's not, not your job as a critic to do that anyway. And okay, and yeah, that's the that's the other side of it. But my point is that like if I can s- sit here and and dismantle the plot to, to such a degree that the rest of the movie shouldn't even technically be possible, then like, I, I think you have a serious issue and it leads to like, like, like I said, the only canon solution is that the 
uh, resist the not the resistance. The uh, first order is just that inept. And if the first order is just that inept, then why are like what do we have to cheer about for our heroes? When in even in in the animated show Star Wars Rebels or, or even um, Clone Wars, but let's say Rebels because it's current. When they get out of a situation, it's because they are more clever, right? Even if there's massive losses, right, and they're the only ones to survive. They get out because they had a, a moment where they were more clever. Something for us to root for. Maybe not all of them make it out. Like, maybe this was the opportunity, like, sorry to say, to kill Leia, right? Mm. And we can talk about that scene. Yeah. I have a theory because about that scene. That was atrocious. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, it, it, I, I mean, we'll, we'll let you talk for, for a bit. You talk about that scene, because I feel like I've been talking a lot. Well, one of the things I noticed, obviously, uh, was that Kylo Ren relinquished control of his uh, trigger, and his buddies flew in, and they blew up the bridge, and Leia went out into space. Um, I'm clinging. I'm really, really reaching here. Uh, I know that this is not really the case, but if I were to find out that this was the case, I think it would improve the scene tenfold. Um Kylo Ren sits in his TIE fighter and uses the force to lure Leia back onto the bridge because he's awash with guilt and obviously he's conflicted and all of these things. And I think that right there is just a way better scenario than the reality. Oh, man. Now you've, you know, you've made me more angry at the scene because that would have been cooler. Yeah, but but that might still be true. <laughs> it's might... not still true. You see her twitch her hand and her eyes open and she does the Luke Skywalker finger thing where she like uses the force and she mary poppins back onto the onto the ship this and she bangs on the door she has never used the force before she's felt things she's felt things yeah she sensed things yes but zero trading it's the new star wars man they they are superpowers they're not something that you train in you just get them all yeah okay there's actually a really good argument to be made about the the how bad the writing is in the latest saga <clears throat> um going on like um from your from the foundation of your idea that the the, the rebels or whatever like the good guys have to be more clever like they haven't even been clever like even in the force awakens they're not clever they're lucky everything that happens to them is completely by chance even the idea of going and blowing up the star killer base happens by chance like finn wants to go there because he wants to be with ray like he's yeah. a garbage man and he goes there and he hasn't a clue what he's doing and they chance I, their way in and it all happens by look and then ironically uh rogue one actually makes them seem even dumber because in rogue one like to to destroy the first death star people sacrificed so much just to get the plan so that they could have an idea yeah of how to blow that thing up it, there had to be a flaw manufactured into the Death Star by a a traitor who who was doing it before the rebellion to to redeem himself, a scientist. Oh man, this conversation is going in a direction that is just. <laughs> I am I <laughs> I'm starting to become convinced that the new trilogy is bad. <laughs> Dude, like, and, like the the saddest part is the saddest part is that this movie retroactively goes back and makes the Force Awakens a worse movie. 
Yeah, it does. Because The Force Awakens, it, this is not, and this is another thing, just like the bombs that I think is stupid, this is not about people coming up with cool fan theories and getting too attached to fan theories and throwing them out. I had fan theories. I watched fan theories. I wasn't, I, like, I wanted them all to be wrong mm-hmm. because I want to be surprised when I go to the movies. But just because something surprises you, some just because the movie subverted expectations according to those critics, doesn't mean that the surprises or the ways that it subverted expectations are inherently good. Just because something isn't what you expected doesn't mean that that's a good thing. Yeah, it's nice to be surprised, but when the surprise is, hey, we didn't really like a lot of the plot and characters from the first movie, so we just kind of threw them out. I Sorry. Um, some of them were good, though. Um, no, I, no, no, I'm, no. But what I'm, what I'm, no, I'm saying that that's what they did with the Last Jedi. Yeah. Oh, no, you're saying sorry that some of the surprises were good. Yeah, in the Last Jedi. Yeah. I, um. So I, I think finding out that Poe was wrong is is good because I, I think I've seen that. Like, there, there, there should be no reason that he's right. Other, like, I didn't want Laura Dern's character to be right because she was a dick, but. At the same time, I didn't want Poe to be right because that was just too obvious, and I liked that they subverted that. I, I don't think they did it in a very tactful way because, um, like, Amelyn Haldo is just completely unlikable. Um, but I am just happy... Because I love Laura Dern. Yeah, right. But anyway, I, like, I'm happy enough with that kind of switch. I thought that that was pretty cool. Another thing is, and I still hold this to be true, and I really hope that... You don't take this away from me. <laughs> but the last hour of this movie is the most enjoyable hour of Star Wars movie history. From the really? moment where yeah, from the from the moment where Ray is face to face with uh, Snoke, from there, from that scene on, that's the most fun I've ever had watching a Star Wars movie. And it was true both times I saw it. And I'm going to see it again and I'm really hyped for that. Like I, I the moment where they are on the bridge in that um, ship and Snoke is uh, everything looks like it's lost and Kylo Ren lifts up the lightsaber and Snoke is like oh, I can see I can sense that he's about to strike down his enemy and then he cuts Snoke in half and from there there's just this unbelievable uh, lightsaber probably the best lightsaber battle that where it's not two people fighting each other like the best lightsaber action outside of yeah. the duel if you know what I mean um it was also really cool to see what those red-coated guards are made of. I assume there's a name for them uh, that I Pret- never... Praetorian guards. I knew I knew that you would know. <laughs> um, but so, like, we've, we've seen them in, in countless movies, and, and they're... Well, not countless movies. <laughs> I mean, there are only, like, eight movies. <laughs> we've seen them in movies, and we don't know what they do, and we finally get to find that out, and it's awesome. Like, they didn't disappoint. That entire thing is so cool. And then you think, this is it. Kylo Ren is going to join... Uh, forces with Rey, but he doesn't want that. He wants to make his own empire. Like, he wants to be... He still wants to be the bad guy. It's just that he wants to be the bad guy. Like, it's such a... That is such a damn interesting transition right there. Like, I did not see that coming. Um, I knew that something was awry, but I thought it was just more of his conflict, and and I, I actually think he's a fantastic character. I really hated him in The Force Awakens on the very first watch, but I fucking loved him in this movie uh, and and that entire situation was class so um that helped to that sort of created a backbone for the rest of the movie to build off of and i thought it was great it was just widespread devastation and destruction and hopelessness and it was just really cool 
See, my thing with that is um, I'm fine with the decision to kill Snoke if The Force Awakens doesn't do what it does. Because the... the and here we're talking about, like, this has nothing to do with Star Wars criticism of like as, like, a fan. This has to do with more, like, how you structure films, right? Because when you break the rules of how films are structured, you better have a damn good reason, and it better work out in a way that is... Um, uh, not satisfied. That's not the right word. But that there, there, there needs to be uh, more than just a little bit of thought behind why you're doing something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and like breaking, not even just conventions or stylistic conventions or anything like that, but just like breaking rules in in ways that are that might be considered problematic. Um. The Force Awakens sets up Snoke as the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Except for that Snoke is actually even more powerful than the Emperor. Now this, to be fair, what I'm about to say isn't part of the movies. It's in the it's in the canon, it's part of the story, but it's not in the movies. Is that you find out through the books and stuff that and the comics that Snoke is actually... And through Battle, uh, Battlefront 2, actually, that Snoke is this um, thing... This uh, this source of power that existed in the in the uncharted reaches of space, and Palpatine's last order before he dies is to like go out and uh, upon his death to like go out and seek this entity that he's been in, in some form of contact with or knows about. Hmm. And this is Snoke. So that's not part of the movie. So we can forgive that as 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 kind of a thing. But it does set up it, it does set up Snoke that that being could enter another host maybe. Maybe. Okay, but then we're getting into something else. Um uh, <laughs> okay. hang on. Hang on. Hang on. We'll get there. Uh so you know, he in the in the Force Awakens, he is set up as like the emperor character. Um he is uh Kylo Ren's master. He has been around, uh, we're told, uh, I don't think directly in the movie, but by, uh, the, like the production around the movie and in material that was released around the movie about the movie. And it might even be in the novelization that he's been around since he, no, he might even say he's been, he's seen the rise and fall of the, of the, um, of the Republic and the, the empire. So he, he, he was around for, from the time of the Republic. And he knows about that stuff. Okay, so we're talking about an old, like a really old. Like if it wasn't apparent from looking at him, so he's really old. He's super powerful, potentially more powerful than Palpatine. That's the character that was set up. Now, if you want to get rid of that character, if you want that character to, if you want to subvert expectations and you want to kill that character. There needs to be a damn good reason. Because one for one thing, that character leaves a vacuum. For two reasons. One, as a character, right? Kylo Ren's master figure is gone. So he needs to be capable enough to fill that role himself and become the master. Which is difficult because no time has gone by between the end of Force Awakens and the beginning of The Last Jedi. Yeah. Seems like at most a day has gone by. At very most. 
but yeah. probably less than that. Um, so it's not like he went back and he trained and he like, this is all very fresh. Like the force awakens just happens, which means that from the time that we're introduced to, uh, Snoke to the time that Snoke dies is like, if we're being generous, maybe a week. Yeah. Of, of time in universe. Uh, the other issue is the issue that Snoke brings up about power, right? That uh, the reason that Rey is so powerful is because Kylo is so powerful. Snoke's power is uh, balanced off by um, by Luke, which means that Snoke must be as powerful as Luke. Or around that power level. Like, are we talking about power levels now? And this is kind of like a weird issue with the way that they've reworked the Force in these movies. Because, like we said, they're superpowers. You don't need training necessarily anymore, except that Snoke says that Kylo Ren's training isn't done and Luke is refusing to train Rey. So training is sort of important, but not by the end of the movie. My sense of that is that Rey is particularly gifted. But there's a difference between gifted... Like, Luke was always gifted also, Mm -hmm. but he had to learn how to do what he does with the Force. Kylo had to learn to do what he does with the force ray but that's what i mean like ray is a a cut above um it you know like there's also just the thing of like i've said i think i said this before on a previous star wars thing that we've done but it's called the force awakens like the force is within her anyway i know it's within everyone but but like this training comes so naturally to her that it, it that all it must do is awaken It, it it doesn't need to be nurtured or um, like provoked or prodded until it becomes something it's it's already there and I, like I know that that's problematic in in the canon and everything like that but I that's how it's, I've excused it and that's how I've yeah that's, plus, that's I, one of those I things that's that excusable she is, like an actual goddess and I I love her so um, I, I like the character of Rey I I wish they hadn't cast her as Luke's mother figure in this movie but because mm-hmm. that's demeaning to what she could be and what she is supposed to be in the movie like she's this all-powerful person it's like she only exists like ray only exists to kind of like serve the characters around her and and build them back up again yeah hopefully the next movie changes that but like uh, like unfortunately that's the role that she's been kind of cast in um but so uh snoke dies kylo in in this theory like that's how he becomes more powerful is that he can't gain any more power until Snoke's gone. Is it? Is that how it works? Mm. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't really doesn't really there's a there's a vacuum that's left with like it it almost doesn't matter because there's the the point is that there's a vacuum that's left when Snoke dies, when he kills Snoke. Um that if you're going to kill off a character who's supposed to be that powerful, that good, A, the character who kills him has to be capable or catch him really off guard uh and be that character and now there's no there's no big bad in star wars right now at the end of the movie kylo is he the big bad see that's what i like is there still is there still good in him is there any like luke gives up on him completely ray at the very end seems to give up on him completely when they have their 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 vision connection, which Snoke isn't around to do anymore, 
So how are they doing that? Unless Snoke isn't dead. Like it's, it's kind of problematic. Like Snoke sets up that he actually created the connection between them. Does that connection permanent? Yeah, it could very well be that. Or, or else he need to be around to do it. Or it, it could be that with him gone, um, and there is an elevation in the balance of power that it 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 stands on its own now, and that the two of them see you're, you're dealing with a nebulous concept that has been vaguely described at best in every yeah. single movie that comes before it, apart from the media chlorian like nonsense. But I I think like you say that that's been dismissed. But you're kind of dealing with a religiosity. And it's really, really hard to pin that down to anything. So it makes it definitely makes me willing to excuse like all of that stuff as just it's the force because like this is the one instance where you can truly just say yeah it's the force like it, it's some obviously Ray is immensely powerful um, and that's fine yeah I'm, like, I'm just saying that I don't think Kylo is set up as a capable villain but but. By I, the end of it. I, uh, I I think he's unstable and sympathetic, but not in the way that like a villain is. So if he's not like a a, a like a villain really, then who is the villain? Like I like he's not the end of this movie when he stops the assault on the rebel base for everyone to shoot at Luke and he throws his little temper because he had, he had started to actually become like this movie, the writing for Kylo up until this point where he kills Snoke is way stronger than the first movie mm-hmm. than uh, force awakens. Like I start to believe that Kylo is a more capable, more threatening villain in this movie. But then he has that moment of just like baby, tantrum fire everything at his uncle and then his uncle is still there and the the way he like his mannerisms in the fight scene don't seem dangerous or threatening they seem petulant like he's not a threatening character like i don't feel like he's a threatening character and you know that ray isn't gonna die at the end of this Mm. so either kylo turns or he dies and either way, like, I don't find it like he's not going to I don't think he's going to kill Finn. He already slashed Finn up the back and Finn got up the next movie, which, again, is like, how fast is that back to work? Because this is only like a day later. Um, but like, I, I don't I don't I feel like that void is, is, is problematic. Like, I I think if you're if you're going to kill off uh, Snoke then I don't necessarily think that if, if this movie had taken place, you know, way later, like some time after, uh, after Snoke, uh, sorry, after, after the events of force awakens, right? Mm-hmm. We join Ray on act two, uh, her and Luke, like you can have it in in flashback or in uh, in a montage of everything that happened in the time in between, where like he refuses to train her or, or anything like that. You can you can build you you keep that in some way, right? To, or or you don't have to. You just get across the the message that she has been waiting and living on this planet, and you're like, oh okay, she's training with Luke, and she comes out and she just like sits and waits for him, and. He comes out and he says, "You're still here." I thought I told you to go away. That's true. It's like it's like the um, that's actually a very good point. I, I think that the 
the plot sorry the the timing or the setting in the sense of time in the plot kind of is a trade-off between how long it's been since you saw the force awakens and how long it's been since the movie saw the force awakens do you know what i mean yeah like, it, it knows that it's been a long time for you and it kind of builds that into the movie where it's only been a day and that's that's definitely a problem um and if you were to watch the two movies back to back for the first time ever that would be just a huge issue for you i think we've come back and it's been a year since ray has been on this island unable to reach luke unable to get him to train her two years but she two maybe even two years Mm -hmm. whatever it's been that she's been on this planet with luke just waiting 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 for for him to teach something to her and she's so stubborn about the the need for luke to be in the fight again and to train her and to get her to understand what's happening that she refuses to leave right they show her moving around that lightsaber and not a single person goes like freaking mary sue like how did she learn how to use that she has no training she's been practicing on this island by herself for two years because this asshole won't train her mm. So she's been teaching herself. Yeah, that would be a lot I, better. Like, I don't know. It just simple solutions. I'm not a writer, but these are are things that I feel like would have made it more believable, like would have made it more accessible, would have treated us less like idiots. <laughs> um, do you, you want to know the, that, the, the biggest problem with the movie in total? What? What are, what are those little Furby fucking the things? Porgs? The Porgs? Right, so... Um, <laughs> so a porg looks distressingly at Chewbacca as he attempts to eat one of their own and seemingly overwhelmed with guilt, Chewbacca decides not to, right? But he's already killed it and cooked he's it. He's already fucking killed it and skinned it. <laughs> and People are starving. It. And he won't eat it because, like... Listen, I love pigs. I like I, I look at pigs, okay? <laughs> but if there's a pig looking at me and I have a cooked bacon rasher in my hand, the fucking thing is getting eaten. I might even Sorry, share babe. some of it with the pig. Like, there's no part of me is going to look at the pig and say, oh, I'm not eating this delicious sizzling piece of bacon fresh off the pan. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not even a giant hairy idiot dog. And Chewbacca is. <laughs> so... Um... It's just uh, so stupid. So I, I don't know. I just think that, like, if you're going to... My problem isn't with that they killed Snoke. My problem is that for Kylo to have killed Snoke, he should have been in a different place emotionally. And, like, he should have had time to evolve as a character, even if it happened off screen with us not seeing it. So that when he comes back in The Last Jedi, he's different. that that the change makes sense that he's grown in some way that we haven't necessarily seen and that we uh, appreciate the idea that like no okay this some some shit's happened now he's been he's been going after the the rebels they've been trying to figure out where the the rebel base is or or whatever if you want to have the same nonsensical stupid plot of the movie um they they can't find it you know, it wasn't tracked or, or traced immediately, like it like it apparently was. Um, he he's been in battle. He's he's done a bunch of stuff. You know, like well, maybe you want to throw the Knights of Ren in there or, or something like that. Like that's well, a, that's a whole new thing. 
So I can see where you're going there, and that um, I I think I would think that if it were another franchise or another movie. But I mean, we're almost nine movies into this now, and I really think that it's good that we're moving away from the idea that there has to be one huge bad villain. Like I I think it's really interesting to be heading into episode nine where we don't really know what's happening and we have this unhinged man who's half good half bad whose intentions are like I wouldn't say half good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was bad. Okay, one fifth good or one eighth good. But anyway, like there there is good in him somewhere. Um, but it, it's more like good that comes out as a result of bad. Like it's really really interesting. And it's one of the few things kind of holding the story together. Like, it's really obvious that there are two different directors and, and, and two different teams. Like, it's just, it's really obvious that these are two completely different movies. And um, Kylo Ren is one of the things that holds it together in a really interesting way. And I, I think we don't need to see a fully formed version of him. I think it's really interesting. I'm that... not even arguing for a fully formed version. I'm asking for a more competent and emotionally uh, more... more... Not even stable, because part of the interesting thing about him is that he's yeah, disturbed. completely, yeah. Um, but, but just, like, have him in a point where it's believable that he's able to take that power for himself. Because, well, like, him just being, like, a whiny brat and just killing Snoke, like, let's let's get beyond the fact of, like, the, the stupidness of how Snoke... Oak dies because at the same time that it was cool it was also very dumb he's giving an evil bad guy speech that goes on way too long and as he's doing it a lightsaber rattles on a seemingly glass plastic whatever surface next to him spins and slices him in half yeah <laughs> like i mean like isn't his like i it fine that's how it happens. That's how it happens. But, <laughs> but like, I just—it's dumb that it happens that way because this super powerful being should have been able to but, figure out what was going on, unless that's, that's what they wanted to happen. So I, I think it's like the arrogance of him that he relies only on his Jedi or his Sith Lord senses there, and like you know, he's like, oh, I can sense the lightsaber about to, you know, like it's that—that's kind of the only way you can do it. Because no one's getting a clear shot at this guy in a fair fight because he's a fucking animal, like he's a machine. Um, I like I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was different. Uh, it was just a, a, a way of using the force that we haven't seen properly before, like someone actually turning the lightsaber on in midair. Like that was cool. But this, but this is where you establish at some point that Kylo Ren can use the force to manipulate what people think right this is where you have ray try to read him while they're having those conversations and he manipulates her using the force like not even a mind trick we're talking about something completely different where like you establish that it like that when this happens i don't need someone to explain to me i can understand that kylo ren is able to use the force in a way that snoke sees the lightsaber but he believes that it's cut like kylo is so good at this one particular thing that he's able and you establish this in episode seven like this goes all the way back man like there's there's issues but if if this is something that he's able to do then then like what 
there's no we're talking about a movie here's the thing is there's lots of things i've said here's the thing a million times and this is my (laughs) point and and there's lots of things and there's lots of points get over it um is that uh i and like i i told i'm like i said i'm fine with snoke dying i'm even fine with snoke dying the way that he died okay like that's i it's that's not the, the the bigger problem. I do feel like there's a weird bit of a power vacuum. I don't know what they're going to. D- I guarantee you know what? I guarantee you that no matter what J.J. Abrams does in the next movie, it's not going to be satisfying. Because I don't. Uh, while this is interesting, while it literally leaves the franchise in a point where it could go in any direction, I don't think it's going to go in a good direction. I feel like like even if it's a better movie, I don't think that there's a way to result like narrative structures exist the way they do for a reason and they haven't changed much for thousands of years for a reason and it's not that there's no original stories or anything like that or that you can't still surprise people or include plot twists or things like that but like killing off snoke and leaving kylo ren as the bad guy this series can only end a few certain ways and i don't necessarily think that it's going to be emotionally satisfying for audiences i just don't and like i'd be very surprised if it is because um the force awakens got by mostly on uh on the uh, not being as shitty as the prequels and nostalgia Mm, that's true yeah it's not because it was a great movie we said this before like i said I, i enjoyed the force awakens i don't think it's a good movie i enjoyed it though I had I had a lot of fun with it, fun that I didn't necessarily have with the Last Jedi, at least not consistently. I think uh, with the next one, uh, like it's not going to be satisfying, and I think that's because of J.J. Abrams. I think he doesn't take risks. It's going to be a fairly vanilla good versus evil thing. It's going to take over where General Hux is going to be ruling the galaxy, and Kylo Ren will be this kind of unhinged man who's not sure if he wants total control or not, or. Like I don't know, it's but it but it is going to be bland and it is going to end with Rey being the queen of the universe, where it should end with like Rey sacrificing herself to bring out the last bit of good in Kylo Ren, or something like that should happen, but it won't. But they like, they can't they can't for the same reason that everybody's pissed about the episode of Star Trek that just came out. I haven't seen that. Oh okay. But, well. But, I'm just saying they they have a they have a minority character like not a minority but like um they have a a female lead who is a powerful Jedi now because apparently she's a Jedi because all it takes is Luke Skywalker saying that she's a Jedi to for her to be a Jedi um they're not gonna kill her no. they're just not they're just not gonna do it. it's like it doesn't matter who the director is they are not killing Rey. Ray is completely safe. And I would say Finn is probably safe too because they had the opportunity to do that in this movie and <laughs> Kelly Marine Tran was like, "No, we're keeping all the minorities in this film." <laughs> like I 100% that's, that's thought not, he was I'm, I'm die. totally I'm 100% joking about that by the way. That's not, <laughs> that's not the the that's not the problem with that scene. Um but that's the thing is like none of none of these the only character who might die is Poe. Uh, I would be happy with that. <laughs> and yeah, and sadly I would too because his writing has just not been good. Yeah. And I'm sad because again, once again, a really good actor 
being used really poorly. There's a gravesite out there dying to cry out, I've got company. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I just, I fucking every hate time that. Another, like, that. Every time another resistance pilot dies. Yeah. <laughs> I've got company. But the, he, that guy, that line itself is a ridiculous action movie cliche that doesn't even, we've got company. Like, fuck off. Is that his catchphrase? Yeah. I think the, I think the Poe doll from the force awakens. If you squeeze his hand or whatever goes, we've got company. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, oh I think my God. Are you seriously not kidding? I, I, if, if that's true, I'm going to find it. I'm going to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my ringtone. I will burn it and I will film myself burning it. We've got company. Oh, it's yeah. Um, talk, first. talk first. I talk first. I can't hear you. I'm holding. I'm holding for Hux. I'm holding for right. Can you imagine? Um, can you imagine Han Solo calling Jabba's palace and being like, "Oh, I'm holding for one of the huts. I owe uh, some money." And then it's just, oh, man, I hate. Dumb. Even Dumb. like I even have a problem with Finn saying that's one hell of a pilot. Because to say one hell of implies that the word hell exists. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't, like at, at that point, it's just me being the problem. But the holding thing, like, there are no phones. Also, we didn't need you to say that, Finn. Like, we got that from watching it. Like, yeah. We get that. You just have to say woo. We get that you're into it. Exactly, yeah. Um, well, that actually just reminds me of a point um, that, like, when we're, we're talking about things, we're talking about a, a movie, The Last Jedi that literally has a scene where it's the most unnecessary thing I've ever seen in a movie. I think Ray uh, Luke is out uh, on, on the Island. They're on the Island. Cause Luke never leaves the Island. Uh, and he's out on that by where that meditation rock is. And Ray comes up behind him and is like, Kylo Ren is strong in the dark side. And that's why we need you to come back. I think that's almost exactly her line. Somebody tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's almost exactly what she says. And I remember seeing the scene and her coming out to Luke and I'm like, what is she going to say? She says that. I'm like, that's freaking stupid. (laughs) Just have a scene where the good guy is telling the other good guy who's reluctant. There is a very bad and mean wizard and we must defeat it. We need the good wizard who is you, Luke Skywalker from episodes four through seven, the end of seven to come and help us in this new episode, episode eight, directed by Ryan Johnson. Like, <laughs> how much unnecessary shit information does she need to say? So this is the movie where they're like, this is how little they think of the audience that they have to spell out shit like that, but they don't think that they have to explain other things in the movie that, uh, like, this is going back to what I was saying about Kylo Ren with the, his force abilities and stuff like that. Um, they can just do shit like that. Kylo Ren kills kills Snoke. There's no kind of dialogue or hint or clue, even if it's visual, not verbal, that something more is happening other than like the lights. Like we know what's going on, no, right? In in defense of the Snoke thing, though, I I think it's important that he delivers that dialogue because he clearly is sensing Kylo Ren about to strike down his enemy. He just hasn't realized that his enemy is him. So, I like, agree, and this is a dumb hill for me to die on, so I'm not <laughs> going to. Like, like I think there's not 
I, I, like I said before, I don't have necessarily a problem with Snoke dying. I think the way he dies is kind of clumsy. It's not, it wasn't handled, I think, the best way that it could have been more artfully done. Mm. Same thing, same scene, more artfully done. Um, I think it would have been nice to set up Kylo's ability to manipulate people through the Force before that at some point but he's not really doing a whole lot of manipulation there like it's for all intents and purposes snoke is is commentating on exactly what is happening you know what i mean i know you just it just i just feel like it would have been more believable like why i don't know i just this is like i said this is this is out of all my arguments this is extremely nitpicky this isn't a reason that i don't like the movie by the way Mm. this is just something that i'm being nitpicky about because we're having a really good discussion about this uh this is this is not a reason that i don't like the movie i i'm fine with snoke dying um i'm actually fine even with the luke skywalker stuff uh if we want to get it um a lot of people have a problem with this this is the side of me that like me as a Star Wars fan, I have a massive problem with the way they handled Luke in this movie. I don't think it makes sense. Uh, I think you can keep the thing of failure and redemption, that theme, without Luke um, completely being a different character. Uh, the, the same the same guy who felt a shred of good in a father who he never knew and goes on a suicide mission to save him. There's that suicide again. Um, to save him. Um, just on the chance that that good could be kindled into you know, like helping him defeat the emperor or saving his friends or, or be being at the very least being a distraction on the death star while the stuff is happening on Endor to, to actually blow up the death star. Cause that's really what the plan is when you come down to it. Yeah, he just, yeah. just feels a shred of good in him, uh, is the same guy who feels a shred of good in his nephew and has a moment of uh, that is so he's so weak in this moment that he actually ignites his lightsaber over his sleeping nephew to kill him yeah. even if it, and then the moment passes it just it's not in keeping with the character and uh well i would say there's a parallel to be had there with yoda um that's actually quite interesting right so when yoda is faced with five-year-old anakin or <laughs> it's obviously not five however the fuck old jake lloyd is in that movie and he's like, no, you can't be trained. You're too old. Um, and Yoda, is just, he, he's wise. He's generous. Ship. <laughs> he does have a record high midichlorian count. Yes, but he's too <laughs> we old. We know because he did the ship cup thing pretty good. <laughs> but anyway, so, so so like there's and then there's that Yoda, and you know he turns up in Attack of the Clones. He turns up at the end to fight Count Dooku and and all that's are not. Uh, yeah, Count Dooku, yeah. Um, and all of that stuff is going on, and that's great. And then in the next trilogy, he's this sad old hermit who's really weird, does lots of things for comedic benefit for the viewer, and is not really painted in the in the light of a, a serious sort of Jedi warrior type. And he trains Luke himself. Despite saying that Anakin was too old for training, he trains Luke himself when Luke is like 29 or something. Um, yep. It's he's not twenty nine. I think he's like twenty one or something. But anyway, it, it, so um, with Luke, it's it's sort of the opposite way in that he actually um, decides to uh, he finds the good in his father, but he sees the bad in um, in Ben Solo, and it sends him into a weird moment of weakness, which you could say might be amplified by the fact that Luke has just a lot riding on his shoulders, as you know, not to name the movie, but the Last Jedi. 
um, yeah. as it were, and things like that. And then, obviously, the way that he behaves on the island is a result of him being aloof and out of the world for so long. And oh, I've got um, no problem with how he behaves on the island. Oh, cool. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people do. Yeah. And I uh, that that stuff that stuff is fine. I like the idea of like him not wanting to train Ray. Yeah, like, yeah. I wish. In this movie where we get a line that is, there is a very mean and bad wizard out there, um, and we need your help. In this movie directed by Ryan Johnson. <laughs> uh, this movie written by Steve I, Yedlin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have an issue that, like, in this in this movie that has this dumb line in it that feels that that they feel the need to explain that that they don't go into more of like what Luke's problem with the Jedi Order is because he says he learned all this shit. And then he has like two offhand lines to Ray about like the the arrogance of the Jedi, but he never really goes into it mm. at all. And and this is a this is like again a, another kind of symptom of of a greater problem that's happening in Hollywood, and you can see it with the Marvel movies, uh, I guess. Also, um, is that they are ditching dialogue for more action sequences. If you watch Empire Strikes Back, universally, by Star Wars fans of almost any age, the best Star Wars film. Because it's actually, like, beyond being... A, it's more than just a good Star Wars film. It's actually, like, a good film. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like how The Dark Knight isn't just, like, a good superhero movie or a good Batman movie. It's actually kind of like a good, like, crime drama. Yeah. Um... Like it, it transcends like its own genre limitations to be kind of like okay that was that works as it's like simple and elegant something that this movie is not, um, but it's it's not about comparing the two in that way it's just that I don't know we'll, we'll, I, I don't know I I lost I lost where I, I'll tag on to that for a moment because um, one of the things that I resent the most that's happening in Hollywood at the moment is this idea of winking at the camera in every scene. So Sorry, action. You can yeah, yeah. I, I I it Chris Pratt does it like all the time in every fucking movie that he's in. Like there's a scene in um I think I think it's Age of Ultron where the bow and arrow guy uh, Hawkeye Jeremy Renner yeah. he's like. Oh well, there's aliens running around outside from a distant planet, and I've got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. It's like you might as well just look into the camera and tell the audience to suck your yeah. dick. And like, it's, there there is a lot of that in this movie too. Yeah, the like I think Ray actually says laser sword at one point, and it just completely belittles that. Like, you don't need to point this out to us. No, and like the whole movie is a metaphor. Like the entire movie is a metaphor for what's happening with the franchise. Yeah. That's what this movie is about. This movie isn't about anything to do with what's happening inside the universe of Star Wars. This movie is everything to do about what's happening outside of the the universe of Star Wars and in the universe of like the franchise, what Disney's doing with it. Because this the message of this movie is let the past die, kill it if you have to. Those are yeah. Kylo Ren's words. That is what this movie is. Yeah, it's true. about letting go of what you think original Star Wars is about. This is what Disney Star Wars is about now. And if you're not on board with that, like, there's going to be, guess what? Millions and mi like billions of people who this is going to be the only Star Wars that they know or give a shit about because they're growing up with it. And they don't necessarily have... The, the the same connection with the originals and that's that's sad 
That's just what it is. It's let the past die. Kill it if you have to. Ryan Johnson's killing it. And I hate that everybody's saying, like, it's so clear that he loves Star Wars so much. I don't think it is. I, I, I really don't think it is. Unless you're trying to tell me that he loves Star Wars so much that he realizes that Disney's just going to screw it up anyway. So he's killing it for them by just cutting off the head so that we don't have to deal with it for the next 20 years. Like, I, like I just – this – that that's what this movie this movie this entire film like so much of the dialogue is referencing the fact that this is the way that things are now it is that winking of the camera the like this that this is the message of the movie it has nothing to do with siths or or jedis or good or evil or anything like that it's we're taking star wars in a new direction and this is our movie where we're telling you we're doing that over and over and over again well and it, if you listen to conservative commentators the message of this movie is in fact <laughs> that women deserve the right to vote <laughs> i don't fucking know whatever it's um, so stupid actually going into that like I, I we were talking about this a bit before uh the <clears throat> kelly marie tran thing yeah. because i i feel um so bad for her because yeah, so, of the, the vitriol that is happening online about her as an actress i don't like rose tico I think she's a shitty character. I don't think she really serves a purpose in this film. I, I think if you I, could I ever don't... point to a token minority existing in a movie, she is it. I I don't uh, dislike her because she's a minority character, and I think minority like that has another. I really desperately want strong, but like I'm a minority. Like listen to my name. Does that does that sound English to you? <laughs> What, why, what do you mean, Santiago? <laughs> so, Santiago. Um, it's, like, here's, here's the thing. It's, like, I really desperate. Like, when Diego Luna was in Star Wars, I wasn't expecting to feel kind of like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't realize this mattered to me. But, like, seeing a character in there with a Spanish accent felt kind of awesome for me. So, yeah. like, I, I get it. And, like, I'm... I don't want to to take the the role of the of the like minority person or anything like that and be like, oh, I know what it I know what it feels like, and so therefore, like that's not what this is at all. I really just as a fan think that diversity benefits the Star Wars universe. Like yeah. it's it's dumb to see only white people in movies when I am living in Toronto and I look outside the window and I see maybe like one white person and everybody else is all sorts of different colors and mixed and you know like that that's just the way that things are that's the reality of the of the of the new globalized world right like I like I don't I I think you need that you you need to have especially like uh with the uh, a couple of Oscars ago with the Oscars so white and it was all about um, getting, uh, you know, like there, there are no black actors nominated. There are no uh, black directors nominated. There are no black writers nominated kind of thing. Um, and there was a very small but subtle outcry of like, what about Asian actors? Mm-hmm. And it's true. Mm-hmm. It's totally true. The a- Asian um, people like from any part of Asia. So and this is a gross overgeneralization, but any part of Asia grossly underrepresented in Hollywood. And like, I, I don't think in the same way that people argue like well well it doesn't have like it just needs to be a good character it doesn't need to be minority i would say like if it's a good character it doesn't matter whether they're white or male right write a good character and that's where rose tico fails she is not a good character she's not I even wanted the best. to like, 
she's not even the best Asian female character in the movie. Because her sister is like a hundred times <laughs> better. Way cooler. Yeah. Um, she actually, like, you know what the dumb part is? Is that she saves Finn from doing what her sister did so that she could live. Yeah. I only thought about that right now when you mentioned that's it. That's so like, true, that's yeah. literally what she does. Either. So, like, is it that she's saving her sister, but really she's saving Finn, but, like, in her head she's saving her sister? No, because she goes but then, on like, to kiss him, so it's probably a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah this isn't Game of Thrones, you're right. <laughs> uh, it's, no, it's, like, a huge problem that I have, because I wanted so desperately to like the character, because I think she she seemed really funny when i listened to her on the panels she seemed extremely like she is extremely likable she's lovely uh, yeah she and she's really really like uh, sort of uh, she's just like this warm honest person yep. who like i really she's want her to succeed there i want her to succeed and the thing is like i can't even tell you whether or not she's a good actor or if she struggled because she's not a good actor mm. like i can't tell you that honestly because her dialogue like, I feel so bad for her. Her dialogue was the worst writing in the entire film. Yeah. It, it seems like it was written on set. Like, the, the scene when they're... The, well, we talked about Canto Bite very, very briefly. Like, <laughs> they're on the, on the planet. And her anger about it, all her lines about why she doesn't like Canto Bite, it's all I could keep hearing in my head was like, I hate sand. It's cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was that's, hoping that someone was going to quote that line in this episode. <laughs> the level of writing for her character. I know, is, it was the most generic thing. Like, it was as if they had just asked, um, asked like, a university... Um, you know the university SJWs that get derided for not having real opinions, but really just having senses of what's going on? It's, it's like asking one of them, like, why is Israel bad? And their response would be, Oh, they just do stuff that's bad for the little guy. Like, that's pretty much what yeah. she said there. Like, it was... Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just... Uh, so it's... she comes from a planet where her people were um, subjugated by, the by like, the rich people who are, who are kind of, like, profiting off of the... off of the um, First Order existing. Yeah. Okay? So that's, that's her story. That's her backstory. Fine. Awesome. I actually think that's really cool. Yeah. Handled cool. poorly, but the, okay, that's that's her backstory. They're on this casino planet filled with those people, so she's obviously upset. Okay, makes sense. Handled poorly again, poorly written. Um, they encounter slave children. Okay, who are in charge of, I guess, taking care of these horses or horse dog things or whatever. Fucking. Uh, never have I. D- d- I heard the sound when they were in the casino and they turned and they hear that sound and the rumbling mm. and I'm like, oh my god. Don't tell me. And then like they show the track and I'm like, no, pod racing. And then it oh, was like, I swear I'm I like, had the exact Never same. <laughs> have I been so sad that it wasn't pod racing because pod racing would have been way better than these dumb horses. It would have been cool for them to agree that pod racing exists. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it would have made sense because it's pitting the poor against each other. And the slave children could have been driving the pods. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it would have made. That's literally what Anakin was doing. Yep. Yep. But no, no it was dumb. weird. 
Anyway, there are these slave children with these dumb horse things. Yeah. With like bull donkey faces. All all the animals in this movie were terrible. <laughs> I don't mind the animals existing. It's the starring like the amount of screen time that they got. I was like, nothing got that screen time in the originals. Those Is it- those yeah. horse things looked like they were procedurally generated after four and a half hours of No Man's Sky. <laughs> they did look like something from No Man's Sky. They, they even moved like they were those creatures from No Man's Sky. Nothing okay, they, about them looked natural or anything. They escape on these things. The The slave children helped them. They escape. The slave children don't. Uh, they run away and like they get away from the the dumb police forces or whatever. Which, by the way, we're gonna get to Phasma later, and I'm gonna come back to this point. But why wasn't it Phasma that went after them? At least it would have given her something to do. We'll get back to Phasma later, though. Don't we'll we'll talk about Phasma because I've got <laughs> thoughts. I've, I don't have thoughts. I have opinions. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> they escape and. Uh, you know, Finn is standing there with her, and they see all the other horses kind of like running away. And the, the I mean, the police are chasing the horse things, so like, whatever. And they're like, oh, they got away. And Finn's like, you know, it, it was worth it. Or like, he asks, was it worth it? Or he says it was worth it or something. And she goes and she takes the saddle off the horse thing that they had and frees it. And she goes, now it was worth it. Those slave children are still slaves. You set horses free that are going to be caught in five hours and returned to the racetracks where they will be beaten for having run away. And the children... Even... And you're saying, now it was worth it. The horses are like sentient beings who understand that they're being held captive. This is the fucking annoying thing about Star Wars, is nothing can just be a thing. Droids have to be sentient and filled with emotions... Horses yep. have to have morality and ethics. Like just nothing <laughs> can just fucking government. exist. Like no, nothing can just be a thing independent of human emotion. It's, the horses it's... actually couldn't leave because there was a blockade from the Horse Trade Federation. <laughs> but it's, it's... Oh, it's so like uh, like oh, I don't know. It, it, everything is a dog in the Star Wars universe. There's there's humans and dogs. And the dogs are represented by either droids or horses or fucking those stupid yep. porg Snorlax things. It's just a, it's it's frustrating. Um, porg porgs actually didn't bother me until they started being completely. The one in the cockpit was yes. the one that really annoyed the hell out. I was even fine with the like Chewbacca moment. I was like, okay, I'll give that to you because it was kind of like whatever. Mm. But um, the uh, the whole the whole stupid um like one in the cockpit like flying around and getting stuck to the glass on the side of like there's a gif of it now that you can find it's it was like so like that's the kind of prequel shit that and like bb8 stealing the walker were like two scenes where i was like give me a freaking break like just like the the comedy like there's pacing issues in the movie plot wise but we we've talked about some of them um, there's timeline issues, which I think I'm right about, but we'll read that's up for debate. Um, but like the comedy in this movie is so hit or miss because mm-hmm. some of the jokes land and they're like, okay, that was, that was really funny. Oh, like this is good comic relief. And there is other things where it's like, there was no, like 
I understand that this is a heavy moment, but allow it to be a heavy moment and then let it wash over us and then introduce a moment of levity afterwards. Yeah. Don't break up the tension with a moment of comedy, uh, like right as in the middle of us feeling things, right? Like the, that whole scene with like BB-8 taking control of the walker was terrible. Because like at first I was like, it's DJ. I'm glad it and wasn't DJ, but I I'm thought glad it was Ray. I'm glad it wasn't DJ, but at, at the same time, or like it's other stormtroopers who have, uh, you know, gone against their their programming or whatever. Like I don't know. I thought it like, was going to be Ray because she's on the ship. Like, yeah, it would have made a lot more sense that she meets up with them and gets out yeah. of there with them. Yeah. Than her just magically appearing on the Millennium Falcon. Like, how did she get back out to the Millennium Falcon? I know. Yeah. <clears throat> because everybody's like oh they say that snoke's shuttle is still there so she clearly took snoke's shuttle but if she took snoke's shuttle then what did uh the other group get out on yeah some somebody got out of there some weird way like it doesn't make sense but you know so i feel bad for rose um going carrying on that uh on that thread, I feel really bad for Gwendolyn Christie. Like, yeah, she, and they, they promised, they said that Phasma was going to get a more important role, a more prominent role in this film. And she didn't. Why? Why? She has that thing with Finn where she just like hates him. Why didn't she go AWOL to go after Finn when they went like, how hard would it have been for her to, um, you know, see the ship, escaping and go after it and then once they're on uh you know canto bite she sees that it's finn and she goes berserk and she goes on like hunting mode like they're hunting fn2187 it's cool the way the star wars universe has two of the most marketable characters ever in boba fett and captain phasma and they're both fucking terrible at their job and they both get a combined total of about 11 minutes screen time but Boba Fett at least like did ha- like Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back is a badass. He's not on screen that often. All you get is that line from Darth Vader that's no disintegrations, which implies that he's disintegrated people before, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, and then he's the one who ends up taking Han Solo at the end, and he's like, "No, I'm I'm taking Han. I'm the bounty hunter who succeeded." He was also the one who had the same idea as Han Solo about escaping with the garbage chute, but because he knew that that's what Han Solo would do. So this is the thing about like uh, the Rebels being clever. The Rebels get away from the Imperials in the uh, asteroid field because Han Solo is clever, and they, and they go out with the garbage. Yeah. But Boba Fett is more clever because he was there waiting for them already because he knew that that's what a clever person would do. That's why Boba Fett's cool. Return of the Jedi Boba Fett, not cool. No. Return of the Jedi Boba Fett is Captain Phasma, Jedi, and Force of Like, that's... That's... It's it's just so sad. Like, like, and the thing is, there was an interview with him on IGN where he was talking about why Phasma didn't get that much of of a role, and he was just like, there are so many characters... And um, some of them, there just wasn't enough screen time to to do something with them. I'm like, you introduced Rose, Tico, and a bunch of other characters that 
people didn't like have enough time to even get invested in in the middle chapter of 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 a of a trilogy um and then like on top of that like i have your solution for phasma right here she goes after like the the pod that escapes like they see it the empire sees it and they're like oh like or whatever and like phasma's like i'll deal with it like figure it out in the writing room yeah, that would actually. Phasma goes better. after them because Finn was with them. So if she had seen Finn on Canto Bite, it would have changed that. Like Canto Bite would have been way more tense if you knew that Phasma like saw Finn, saw that it was Finn, and was like going after him. Yeah. DJ. I... <laughs> so I have like ten minutes left. Um... Oh my god. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, DJ. DJ was, ah, oh man, I don't even fucking know anymore. You know, you know what DJ stands for? Dumb jock. <laughs> no. Nope. DJ is the name they gave him because it's his uh, slogan. Don't join. The words he says to Finn as he leaves. And apparently, like, on his, like, hat thing or whatever the hell he had, it's, like, written in Arabesh. Uh, don't don't join. I could have gone without knowing that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Like, that's uh, that's this movie. Benicio del Toro is awesome. He's he's a badass. Mm. This uh, this movie, oh, <laughs> a way to what? Like that could have been any. Like, why do you go and get Benicio del Toro if that's what you're gonna do? So I I love the idea of having a character who does not subscribe to either good or bad like that's cool i'm totally down for that um he has a good side in that he gives the coin thing or that penchant thing whatever it is back to rose and then he has a bad side in that he literally takes the money and fucks off and like that's cool that's great but it's just he there's no it does nothing there's no lesson there's no anything it's just he's just there and then he's gone and yeah, it doesn't serve the plot in any way, exactly. except for that, like, yeah. he's apparently the reason that, like, Finn told him at some point where the, like, what the plan was that he didn't know about. Yeah. Because they know about the uh, rebel ships leaving uh, to go to Crate because of DJ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he tells them that. When did he find that out? Yeah, yeah. From who did he find that out? Because it sure as hell wasn't from Finn. Because Finn didn't know that part of the plan. Oh, shit. Did Finn not know that? No, of course he didn't. He went to Crate because they didn't know there was a plan. Or sorry, he went to, uh, to Canto Bite because he didn't know there was a plan. The Whoa. whole reason he goes to Canto Bite is because he's not privy to that part of the plan. Shit. Oh, there must be some way. <laughs> surely, surely they wouldn't create a movie where a ship is running away from another ship. Does, does he not overhear it on the? No, because he did, They don't. I know they have dialogue on the intercom thing. Does he? He doesn't learn it then by any chance, does he? He might, but like then, like how? Like all they would know is that there were ships escaping. Yeah. So like what? They just weren't looking in that direction. This is bad. How are the? How are these ships hidden until? Benicio del Toro finds tells them where they are where they are. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like it's not like they gave out the cloaking frequency or like whatever over the the comm. 
So those ships were visible the entire time. They were just like not looking in that direction. Well, Benicio del Toro, if if Sicario has taught you anything, he is good with that kind of thing. He's good with logistics. He's a good spy. So yeah, yeah. Um, timeline. The timeline stuff that I was talking about is uh, at one point. I think it's just before Finn and Rose leave. Somebody. For some reasons, the the question of how much fuel, how much time they of fuel they have left, gets asked, and I'm almost 100% sure. This is the part that I'm not sure of. I'm almost 100% sure that either uh, Poe says it or somebody says it to Poe. I'm almost 100% sure that somebody says 18 hours, 18 hours of fuel left. Hmm. It's at the it's at a point where like I think some ships have already blown up. I think it's just before Poe, sorry, just before Finn and uh, and Rose leave. Um, I, I can't remember because, as you can imagine, I was too angry. I was too busy getting angry at the fact that they have hours in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody said 18 hours. If that's the case, and I'm not 100% sure, so this point might not, I'm not going to elaborate on it too much because I might be wrong. If that's the case, then there's a huge timeline issue because Ray spends multiple days on Act 2. Um, so... She's there at least two days. Have minimum. you seen the movie Interstellar? Maybe just, you know, a few days on that planet. <laughs> <laughs> few days my, on that planet means a few hours on another my planet. My willing suspension of disbelief is up here. <laughs> we're, we're breaking glass... We're breaking some sort of ceiling. I don't know if it's glass ceilings, but we're breaking some sort of ceiling. <laughs> like, yeah. uh... there's problems. Um... The scene with Luke at the end, uh, where he shows up as a force projection. I'm okay with the power. I'm okay with that that power exists, that he's so powerful that he's able to do that. Would it have meant more if he was physically there? Yeah, but I get the idea that he uh, doesn't uh, die in combat, that he dies passively is important because he's using the force in a different way. This is an argument that somebody made. I watched a video that I didn't agree with most of it, but I really liked um, this point that they made. Uh, Like I, so here's the thing. I've been watching a lot of really pro the last Jedi stuff, because if we had done this video, when I came out of the movie theater, sorry, this video, this uh, podcast, it would have been a very different podcast. It would have just me been me yelling about how I hate this. movie. (laughs) I walked out of the movie theater and I was like, I hate it. I really hate it. And I was so mad uh, when I messaged you about doing this and you were like, I have to go see it another time. I was mad that I couldn't vent. And now I'm not now I'm not venting as much as I'm like, I, I feel like I've had time to think of some arguments and I've listened to the other side to see what people are saying. This is a really good point. The, the fact that Luke doesn't die in combat, like it's like the opposite of Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is struck down in anger. Luke doesn't allow himself to be struck down. He has this moment of like peace and tranquility that he bought them time in a nonviolent way. Yeah. Right. He didn't commit the same errors as the Jedi before him. He he allowed them to escape. Right. Ray didn't certainly like uh, do any anything violent when she was uh, down on crate. She didn't have to. She just needed to lift the rocks, which she'd never done before, and that was a lot of rocks. And Luke could barely lift the boulder, but whatever. Um. You know, so like I'm fine with that. Uh, the weird, like that is not Mark Hamill's body. That is Mark Hamill's face on somebody else's body. I refuse to believe that that's Mark Hamill's body. There's something off 
about that scene that looks very CG. I tell you a cool thing about that scene is that Luke does not leave any red marks in the salt. I did see that, yeah. That's that was... really cool. Yeah, um, I thought that was well done. That was very beautiful mind, the pigeons not flying away kind of thing. I, I didn't actually I notice the, that there was anything weird about his body, though. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that's a body double, and they CG'd in his face. Uh, possibly. Um, like it's his face. He's acting that scene, but he's acting it with a suit in a different, like in a green screen room or something. Uh, well, I, I am gonna I, go I, see I, it a third time. So. Well, you you tell me what you think about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, I will. Yeah. Him getting blown up <clears throat> with all the stuff. Okay, sure. Him walking out and brushing off his shoulder. Come on, that was so dumb. <laughs> like, way to kill a scene. That's not cool. It's not cool when, you know, like, it's not cool when anyone does that. Like, that's not a cool thing to do. I thought it was all right. No, I thought that was dumb. That's more of like a, that's not like a cinema gripe or anything. No, I just that's think a that personal preference. Like, I, 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 I think that was just silly. Like, an unnecessary silly. Like, if he had just stood there or like called like Ben or like, well, like whatever, or just like looked at him or, you know, I don't know, like anything but that. Like, that, that seemed very like, all that was missing was for him to like take a combat stance and waggle his two fingers in a come here. <laughs> like come at me like cypher like, does the squall in the opening scene of final fantasy yeah VIII. yeah there's a exactly. fucking reference <laughs> exactly that's what that was it was like an unnecessarily anime kind of it bullshit. was yeah and i dug it i i thought it was i thought it was fine at worst that whole uh that whole scene at the like the fight between because crate looks awesome except yeah. for that scene to me it looks very CG to me. Like I, it, I don't buy that they're standing on the surface of a planet. It just doesn't look right. There's something about that scene that seems very off, and it's not that Luke is like a force projection. Um, there, there's something weird about it. Uh, the other thing about um, crate, I'm, I'm just powering through some of these right now. Yeah. Because uh, you got to go. Um, Finn, about to sacrifice himself. Yes. Rose. Uh, stops that sacrifice from happening, which is when the the ram manages to break through the door and kill a bunch of rebels. Um, Most awkward kiss resistance. Ever. Oh, absolutely! It was totally weird, and the line was really weird. She's like, "I saved you, dummy." It's like, what? I, I don't. There's no chemistry established between these characters, like zero chemistry. And keep in mind that. Hours have gone by since they've known each other. They truly have. Or days, depending on which planet you're on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on? But, but so, like, no chemistry. They're terrible. Yeah. Um, and the entire time, they are right in front of a line of First Order walkers. Yeah, how have they not just been pummeled? Like, it, it's... Oh, that's so annoying. They don't do it. They, they're just there. And okay, like maybe they assume that they died in the crash, whatever. Or like maybe you can't see under the head of the thing when you are in the cockpit because that actually kind of makes sense that they wouldn't be able to see them if they were right under them. Yeah. 
It's dumb, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then Finn manages, like, they're far away. Like, it took them how many minutes of screen time to fly in these ships, these speeders, out to where that front line of the First Order was. About an and hour and 35 Finn minutes. Finn carries her back in, like, record-setting time. Yeah. Like, I... It, it's... And he car- he drags her back. back. It's it's really weird. And, and it's like, when she falls, you're like, did she just die? Is that how that character died? <laughs> this is really tough. And then he drags her back, so it's like... Either he's planning on giving her a proper burial, or she's not dead. And I, either way, I, I'm not I, happy. Yeah. I also thought that she was dead. It, it like, and the way she like kisses him and then just like falls, it is terrible. That that whole line, it's about saving the people you love, not dis- destroying the things you hate, or something like that. I don't even give a shit. Like, it was so bad. Yeah, her dialogue is just terrible. I don't think that the I don't think that the resistance are trying to kill the first order because they hate them. <laughs> I don't think I that's the dynamic that's going on there. I know, like it's it's stupid. Um yeah. uh, also, you know, like Finn's journey, like his whole journey as a character, uh he's not the whole thing about Finn is that he's not a rebel. He's not part of the resistance. He's definitely not part of the resistance. He's always been in it for for Rey. This is another point that a uh, pro um, Last Jedi video uh, made online that I thought was uh, really interesting. Because there's a lot of people saying that his arc is the same in this movie as it was in the first movie. That in the first movie, he runs away from the First Order. Uh, and then when the going gets tough with the Resistance, he runs away from the Resistance only to come back uh, to help Ray fulfilling his arc and allowing him to learn from his mistakes. Uh, that's not what happens in this movie. He runs aw- He's trying to run away at the beginning, not because he's deserting the Resistance, but because he has the transponder for Rey. Yeah. And he doesn't want Rey to come back to a massacre. That's why he's trying to run away. And he doesn't get the chance to explain that to Rose before she ruins the plot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the entire time that he's on Canto Bite, his whole thing is still about saving Rey. And making sure that his friend is okay and that she doesn't come back to this massacre. Uh, until he's on the... He finishes Canto Bite. Canto Bite's what starts to change his mind. He's on the ship with uh, with DJ. And DJ starts talking to him about how like the wealthy elite are selling to both sides. And that like there there is no good and bad guys. There's just like people making profit. And then like the, the people who are kind of like gaming this is like you're either in the system and you're picking a side all of which are have already been predetermined to fail or win depending on what the rich people want or you're not on anyone's side like like dj don't join um so dumb so dumb uh i could feel the bile rising from across continents oh my god i wish i didn't know that i actually wish you didn't tell me that uh so like he uh has this moment on that ship also and then when he's on the it all culminates when he's on the on the ship fighting phasma she's like you scum and he's like yeah rebel scum it's like that's the moment where finn picks a side yeah so his his arc is completely it's not the same arc it seems like the same arc but it's not and that's actually um strengthened by the idea that he's willing to die not to save ray but to save the rest of the resistance. Yeah, if he that's if he true. takes 
down the battering ram cannon, even if it's like it's a self-sacrifice, not for himself, not for Ray, but for the people there at the resistance, for Rose, for everybody else, for for Poe, who he probably loves. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I, I don't know, like the the idea that Rose stops him from doing that, it's kind of like okay, like I'm on the one hand, I'm happy that John Boyega is still in Star Wars because I actually like the character of Finn. Like, I'm fi- I'm fine with the character of Finn. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like, it kind of wrecks that arc a little bit. <laughs> like, it, it prevents it from coming full circle. And it's like, is it? It's the whole thing with Han Solo. Uh, from I, know, I was the original just about movie. to say that it's the exact Han same. Solo. Harrison yeah. Ford said the same thing. He's like, it makes sense for my character to die. Yeah, no, the role of that character, the arc of that character, traditionally in every story, is to die. It's it's to that's to teach the audience that death is a thing and that there are things bigger than them and that they die for a worthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, you know, they don't. They just don't have suicide in that universe. Yep, <laughs> they just don't. <laughs> full circle, full circle. There's there's lots of other stuff like the the whole. We didn't really get to like the Haldo kind of uh, like the the big problems with the way that Haldo behaves, and then like the way that it's all dismissed and forgiven when she's like, "I like that kid" or whatever to Leia. Yeah. That's, afterwards. Yeah, that's like, super lame. I hated that. It didn't teach anyone any lesson or anything like that. In fact, it just it, it basically was akin to to mentally healthy people saying that boy is mentally unwell and then they proceed to torture him as a result of that like you know what i mean like that's what it's they're both like here is a flaw with this guy yes that is a flaw with him let's play with that for a while and let it almost cost us our lives and in the service of what the themes of failure and redemption as johnson has said so many times so like haldo needs to fail too so like yes every character who's on screen needs to fail and then redeem themselves in some way except for hux because he's an idiot also, um, the the right wing has described that moment as Poe being completely emasculated by the feminazis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, the... the... The white male crack shot pilot yeah. hero who ends up being the de facto leader of the resistance, especially now that Princess he Leia totally is dead. emasculated. Totally emasculated. <laughs> like it's not like he's in charge of the entire resistance or rebels. Now or oh whatever. my god! I, I I I've this year my New Year's resolution is to consume that kind of content ironically so that I can have fun. <laughs> yep, that's the only way to to consume it because like it's everywhere now. So. Yeah. Man, um, uh, one other cool thing I'll add. Uh, this is a, a neat little factoid. Um, don't know the difference between a factoid and a fact, but um, the code breaker that they're looking for in the casino, you know, mm-hmm. you know the guy when they identify him on camera, he's he's yeah. um, Justin Theroux, who is the cousin of Louis Theroux, famous documentary maker. Mm. So there's a cool little fact. There, there you go. So we agree a nine not, out of ten. Not used this? at all. <laughs> um yeah i don't know <laughs> no and I'll, I'll go back to so here's the here's the thing where like i'll i'll end my myriad of points on this and and this is the point here's the thing uh here's the thing is that i i mentioned at the beginning that there's a negotiation between like my dislike for the film as a film and yeah. my dislike for it as a star wars fan all of the gripes that I have with Luke, with specific 
uh, things with like the way that Snoke uh, and Kylo Ren, all of that thing goes down. Um, I actually was rooting for the fact that Ray's parents are no one. I said that in our last episode. You did, and, and I was a little bit cold to the idea, but then turned, I kind of I warmed up to it. Yeah, turned out to be true. I'm I'm fine with that. Although it would have been nice if there was still an explanation for why she's so powerful. But like, I'll even take that. I'll even take the Disneyfication of the Force, right? So that so that she doesn't require any training to be as powerful as she is. I'll even accept that. I'll accept all of that. I'll even take the damn Porgs. Okay. Um overused as they were i I will accept all of that i am willing to take all of those things that i didn't like as a star wars fan uh the treatment of the character of luke his motivation like what he does um the weird moment with puppet yoda that was like a little bit like i get what they were trying to go for but it didn't really land like it felt really weird cheech and chong the fact that the fact that yoda a, a force ghost can summon lightning out of uh, an ability that we've only seen with the dark side of the force. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. Like, I'm. I will take all of that. I would have taken it all, and not batted an eye, if the writing had been good. All of that stuff doesn't matter if you write a good movie with strong characters and strong dialogue. It doesn't have have to be excellent. Nobody's pretending that Star Wars is the height of film. Right, but it has to be competent, not rushed, and and it has to make sense. Right, Empire Strikes Back, like I said before, works because it's simple and it's elegant. It's not a complicated movie. Empire Strikes Back is as simple as it gets. There's point A, B, C, D for done. That's that's how that movie works. And it like call it cookie cutter, call it you know like whatever you want. It's based on classic uh, films, the stuff that we've talked about before because we both like Empire. Yeah. Um, but like it works because it's elegant, right? And it, and it's well written. The dialogue, like there's barely any cheesy dialogue in that movie. It's the reason that like uh, the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark works. It, it's it's the it's the same kind of shit. Like if if you write good story if you write good plot if you write good dialogue if you write good characters with motivations that an audience can understand without you have feeling the need to have to go there's a bad and mean wizard and he's going to kill us in this movie by Ryan Johnson and Disney did Composed we mention Disney by John now? Williams edited by Bob Duxay <laughs> exactly you know that that's all fine if you have uh if you have a competent story but they they didn't they didn't, and that's why all of that stuff bubbles to the surface. Because yes, we are willing to uh, accept, as an audience, we are willing to accept bad characterizations. We're uh, willing to accept inconsistencies with the way the characters' motivations are portrayed. We're able to accept a myriad of things, but when they're put in a plot that disrespects its audience in the way that this movie does, and again, I think I'm just noticing it more with this movie because i give a shit about star wars and i care less about some other stuff i'm very picky about which movies i go to see like i don't really care like i'll go see a marvel movie but i don't really care about a marvel movie Mm, in the same way and so i think that's why this is like an an issue for me but like i'm like all these things like these problems with hollywood 
good. Like the, that's what this movie is. Like it, I don't think it respect. This is my opinion. You don't have to share it. If you think I'm wrong, that's okay. Like I don't, I don't need you to tell me that I'm wrong. I, I appreciate that you have a different point of view, and that's fine. I'm speaking more to the audience than, than to you. Um, no, I but, hate the movie now. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I th- here, and that's the other side of it, right? Like, so again, the point is that, um. In that negotiation, I would be willing to accept all the problems that I have as a Star Wars fan if the film was a good film. I yeah. don't think it's a good film, and so all the other problems bubble to the surface and bother me more than they would have. Then most of them probably wouldn't have even bothered me at all if the film had been a good film, a good story, a well-crafted narrative. And it's not. It's not, and it disrespects uh, the audience. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the the main gist of of you know, like what I, what I wanted to say. So if, uh, if, if people enjoyed, and here's the, the thing is like, even I who do not like this movie, am able to say there were some really fun, cool parts of this movie. Yeah. There, there was excellent, uh, cinematography. There was excellent set design. There was excellent ships. There was excellent aesthetics. Um, you know, like there was a lot of stuff to like in this movie. I still think it was a shitty movie, but that doesn't take away from the fact that some parts of it were excellent. And if that was enough for somebody, you're allowed. This is the problem like, I have with the, the people in the way. I feel like I've talked so much this episode. I'm so sorry. This, this <laughs> didn't. I swear this was supposed to be a rant, but like, here's the thing. <laughs> um, and and my point. It's not. I'm just. That's a joke now. I'm titling but, uh, this. I'm titling this Star Wars: The Last Jedi review. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The thing awakens. Uh, <laughs> the last thing. <laughs> the last thing. Oh my god. And here's the last thing. Is that uh, I think there's something seriously wrong with the way that we think and talk about movies. That if we enjoy something, it's automatically a 10 or a 9 out of 10. Yeah. I, I think that's fundamentally flawed. That's not the way that critical thinking that works. That's not the way that critical thought works. That's not the way that criticism works. We're allowed to enjoy things and think that they're not like the height of their art form, right? Like I honestly, like if we're talking about all cinema ever, not just Star Wars movies, all cinema ever, the best Star Wars movie, uh, being Empire Strikes Back, is probably a seven point five at the highest out of all cinema, as objectively as possible. This is somebody. Who who like this is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. We're talking about not personal ratings, not ratings within the Star Wars, like with everything out of all film. The best Star Wars movie is probably a seven point five. And then for me, you have uh, after that, you have uh, Return of the Jedi, pretty much tied with A New Hope. And then you have Rogue One. And then much lower, you have The Force Awakens. And then way lower, you have The Last Jedi. What does that mean for the score for The Last Jedi? If the very best is a 7.5, The Last Jedi sitting at like a, like, at most a 4 point something. In, in like the history of cinema. A very low 50% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty significant, to be honest. There's a lot of um, talk about the the tomato score being, uh, like, the audience score being um, kind of hacked. Yeah, that doesn't surprise I, me either. Doesn't surprise me. Like I on like I wouldn't be surprised if that that happens with video game scores all the time between Call of Duty and Battlefield. Like we know this. This is something that happens on those on those websites. 
So like I I honestly think the the user score if it was real would pro it would still definitely be under the 90 that it has from critics. Cuz there's a lot of people like it's not a vocal minority. There's a lot of people who aren't happy with this film. A lot of Star Wars fans aren't happy with it. I don't know if they if they're articulating it in the in the correct way. Some of them are going after the for the wrong reasons or maybe a lot of Star Wars fans are bigoted assholes. I don't know. Um a lot, a lot of people but, are bigoted assholes, I yeah. guess. Yeah. What was the percentage for the U.S. election? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't. But I'm, I'm joking. Yeah, I know. I, I have lots of American friends. I swear. Uh, but you know, like, I just think it's a problem with the way that we talk about cinema and we and we talk about films and we t- like a problem with the way that critical thought is working right now. That we feel like just because we like something, it deserves a high score. And like I, I just don't think it does. Like I don't think this is a good, like competently made film. That doesn't mean that it's not fun. That doesn't mean that you can't enjoy it. And I wish people wouldn't wouldn't kind of like package those two things together all the time because I think it's really detrimental to uh, the quality of something for us to be able to say like, yeah, that was fun. That was that was a fun time. I had a lot of fun with that. I don't think it was crafted well. Here are my issues with it. And then what happens when you fix those issues? You know, like how much higher rated could this movie have been for me? But again, and there's also issues with numbered ratings. I'm using this as an example. Obviously, we don't need to like, like there's, you can't rate things objectively on a number scale. It just doesn't work like that. But I'm using it to illustrate a point that I think you can like something. You can even love something. And appreciate the fact that it's not exactly well made. I mean, as a lifelong Oasis fan, I can definitely, <laughs> you know, as a yeah. human who enjoys listening to Limp Bizkit, I can, yeah. I can stand by that, yeah. So, and I think that's at the end of the day where I come down with this. And what I hope people take away from from this conversation is that, like, you're, of course you can love this movie, L. You're you're more than it's not even about entitlement or, or anything like that. It's about like you love this movie. I think you can see some of my points, even if you don't agree with all of them. I, I was expecting to bring you over to my side on this, but like I have been outboxed here, like truly. Um, but it's like, not a it's not a competition. No, no, no. I know. No, no, I know but I, like I I'm mean, not trying to turn you to the dark side. No, it's it's a sparring session, if anything. But like your your points are pretty fucking solid like like it it takes a lot of uh excusing and that tells me something you know like when i can't punch any higher than i'm trying to do <laughs> but i'll tell you this i'm still gonna see that thing with them saying yeah we've got them on a tread and i'm not gonna say that's bad writing i'm gonna say general hux is a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah 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 but, he is uh, <clears throat> he is but this was a really good discussion, though, and um, I think it's really cool that we disagreed, like, you know, yeah. on, on the on the most like parts. So um, I think that will be something that people will enjoy listening to. But uh, I think it's really awesome that you, as someone who really liked the movie, heard my points and even agreed with a lot of them, and still resolved to like the movie. Yeah, like that's that's off. That's the whole point of what I'm talking about. Like. My points are valid. Your enjoyment of the movie is valid. The enjoyment of the scenes that I enjoyed is valid. Yeah, exactly. You can't take that away from somebody. 
stop. Like, I, I hope nobody in, in, I think you have a pretty awesome audience. They've always been really great to me. Like I've, I've never seen any, any like, I, sometimes I joke about them. Not, uh, like this is when your audience turns on me. This is going to be the episode where your audience turns <laughs> yeah. on me. But like I joke about that, but I'm I'm honestly like I've always loved uh reading the comments and stuff on on uh episodes that I've been in, even episodes that I've not been in. And I think you have a really solid audience and I I hope that that's the point that they take away that you can love something and be super critical of it. Uh you can hate something and be completely honest about the fact that there's nothing actually wrong with it. You just don't like it for some reason. Yeah, totally. I, I, yeah, and I, I think the, I, I expect the comment section to be largely fair about that. Like, I, I'd say the only pushback you'll get will be people attempting to refute your points rather than people saying, fuck you, man. <laughs> Star Wars rules. <laughs> So. No, and you know, no, I love Star Wars, and that's and that's partially why I'm upset. Yeah, but like... yeah, I I think that's come across well enough, though. I think I, I and and plus, this is the third Star Wars episode we've recorded yeah. together. So, and I mean, I'm going to see Han Solo day one, awesome. and I'm going to see Episode Nine day one, and I will even give Ryan Johnson a chance and go see his trilogy if they don't yank it away from him. Well, I'm glad uh, to hear that. You know. Because it'll be different. Because maybe if he's doing something, I I honestly think that the uh, and a lot of people have said this from the beginning that the uh, like going back to the Skywalker saga is the most difficult thing to do. Like I'm not surprised that writers are having such a hard time coming up with like good competent stories when they have to work in all of this excess baggage from yeah. three good films and three. I think not good films. Other people disagree. That's fine. Um, From like, like that four like, decades ago. Though. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. It's impossible to balance those expectations. It is. It totally is. So like I I don't blame them for struggling with uh, with this. I actually there's people who didn't like Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was one of the most fun like uh, Star Wars experiences that I've had. I th- I think I liked it better than A New Hope, honestly. Like it's that's difficult to say because A New Hope is the one that we've talked about this. That's the it's the one that starts everything. So you, yeah. it's hard to to say that something's better than it. But I don't know. Like Rogue One's awesome. It's, it's objectively a better movie. There's no denying that. I think it's the most Star Wars that Star Wars has been since Star Wars. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it made me feel like a kid. And and these movies haven't so far. I got it a little bit with Force Awakens, but like I I just don't, you know. Yeah, me too, actually. But I will still go see it a third time. So, I guess we we have to have an episode. You know, I have a I have a friend on another podcast, uh, Garbage Town. Yeah, yeah, excellent. I, I follow them as well. They're fantastic. Um, I'd be interested on in seeing if we can get him because he works in the film industry. I don't. Uh, so his views are are really really awesome, but it'd be interesting to talk about um, just like the state of Hollywood with someone. Oh man, I'll see, I'll see if I can talk to to him about being on the on the show with you. That would be unbelievable. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally love that. Because there's this thing, and like we're not obviously you got to go, and we we keep dragging this on, but yeah. uh, there's there's this thing that's happened with these movies, like why uh, the you know. I'm for why am I forgetting his name? The guy who directed Rogue One. Um Oh good God. <laughs> I had it. I had it. It was in my head. Um uh he did Godzilla uh Yeah he did. He did do Godzilla. Um David Edwards? Something Edwards? Ed some something Edwards. 
Yeah, that that sounds right. <laughs> oh, this Re- is Reg. Reg. He directed Monsters as well, which is such an awesome movie. Um, he was in that scene with the salt <laughs> that you were talking about, where they where, like licks that the guy next to him is uh, Ryan Edgar. Oh no, that's not right. David Edgar. I'm just mixing. No, I'm just mixing both of their names together. <laughs> oh my god, I need to Google it. This is gonna drive me fucking crazy. So you Google that while I, while I say this. Gareth um, Edwards. Gareth Edwards. There you go. God, is uh, so he <clears throat> was a director who had only had one semi-big budget film under his belt before. Yeah. He comes in to direct this movie. Uh, and at the end, they ended up having to bring in another director to come in and do the reshoots. Phil Lord and Chris Miller unceremoniously let go yeah. by Disney, and they bring in an experienced director to come in and finish up the film. Ryan Johnson actually reported no problems, but the film comes out, and there's a lot of... Uh, it's, a, it's a divisive film with fans. Yeah. Okay? It's really pointing to this thing, like this whole trend that Disney has with Marvel as well of picking young directors from like an indie kind of environment who are used to working with way smaller budgets um, and giving them an incredible amount of money and uh, responsibility is potentially like not a good thing. Who would have thought? Because like, look, look at look at Ryan Johnson. So. He did Looper, was probably like his biggest budget film. Yeah, it was, yeah. And then he did The Last Jedi. Looper's budget was 30 million US dollars. And it made 176.5 million US dollars at the box office. That's, that's not bad. That's pretty good. 30 million dollars, it's like not a low, 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 but it's not a, that's a, that's a pretty low budget for what that movie was actually. The Last Jedi had a budget of $200 million. And it made $1.103 billion to date at the box office. Mm. Billion. So $200 million compared to $30 million. That's more than six times the budget of the highest budget film he'd ever done. And, like, we don't think that there's a problem with that. Like, with... with to some extent, not unproven directors being given the, the like this insane amount of responsibility and and like now there's all sorts of counter arguments to that. Like what had um, George Lucas done really before he came out with Star Wars? What, but, what had David Fincher done before? They gave him Aliens Three. But, but you forget that Star Wars, yeah, was Aliens Three wasn't that good. <laughs> no, I know, but that's what I mean is that what they do yeah. is they they take these independent directors and they they throw money at them because they'll because they're independent and they're kind of amateur, they'll do anything that the studio says. So as long as they hit certain notes, that's why um. There's that, an implication of that being true, right? Colin Trevorrow on Jurassic World, like that movie was yeah. garbage, and yep. but but it hits certain notes, and they made knew by they committee. Could, yeah, exactly, and that's what it is. So that's why these um, independent directors keep springing up with huge budget movies. Yeah, no, and it, and it's and it's an issue, right? Like I like I, I on some level, like I feel bad. Like it, it's it's really crappy. Yeah. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? It doesn't matter. The point is, <laughs> the point is, here's the thing. Uh, 
I, I, I do think there, like, we have to be careful with, with that kind of stuff. I don't think it's fair to these directors to, to give them that level of responsibility with that little experience. I think it's detrimental to the film. Like, no time to write the script. How long? He, the film's been in production for how long? And he's already had to, to rewrite the script. Yeah. That's like, that's why you have Ridley Scott coming out and saying, like, I would never direct a Star Wars film. Because, the, like, he was actually the one, who, like, one of the people who, who was talking about this. And saying like like they're destroying these these young directors. Like I, I mentioned George Lucas and Star Wars, but like the original Star Wars was a low budget movie. What the budget for A New Hope? Let's let's check that out. A New Hope budget thirteen million dollars. <laughs> yeah, but in today's money, that's five trillion dollars. It's really it's more like the thirty million yeah, that Looper, yeah. Looper was like that's that's the budget that we're talking about. Two hundred million dollar budget. I don't know. Uh, there's there's a problem there. There yeah. there's something. Empire Strikes Back was eighteen million, by the way. Wow. Phantom Menace, one hundred and fifteen. I think George Lucas also did this jump. thing with Empire where he was like. You get all the money from the movie forever, but I get all the toy sales, and then yeah. that's yeah. But um, I actually do need to go. Uh, at this. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that podcast idea sounds awesome. Um, so let me know if you do uh, make any progress in creating that. Um, and other than that, thanks a lot for this discussion. It was really cool. Um, obviously everything your links will all be in the description for everyone to check out but like i said you're pretty much a regular at this point anyway so i don't <laughs> think uh i don't think there'll be any confusion um so yeah um thanks a lot i hope the next time we talk the thing i'm opinionated about because <laughs> i felt like i talked way too much but um, uh I, I had to get it off my chest well I, yeah and i and i did find it like really illuminating so that's pretty important like